Just for me, city of stars. Ba, ba, ba. I don't know the rest. Of I it. feel. Da, I feel da, like da, in da, the da, in da. Uh, "Merrily We Roll Along," where Jason Alexander is like, "It's not a hummable mem- melody." That's kind of how I feel. Like, well, you ask me, like, sing a song from La La Land. I guess I could be like, "Bump, bump, 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 bump." Like, I just remember like mm, percussion like snippets, and percussion. Notes. Snippets. Yeah, 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 but yeah. I can't be like, "Now sing it." Yeah, I mean. You- we're we're all in agreement that this is the Sondheim of movie musicals, and I think that's what you're saying with that <laughs> sentence, oh <my> right? God. <laughs> the <you> horror, s- <laughs> the horror of that being implied. <laughs> welcome back, welcome back. Um, before we even get into it, I have to be honest and upfront and say two things. One, wait, we're still in banter. I we know. Are, okay, okay. I was like, this I know. better be banter. I'm starting off, this is a PSA. This is a warning. This is a this is an announcement. Um, uh, I did not read the entire trivia page of the oh. IMDb. <laughs> oh my god! Your one job to read is... IMDb. <laughs> one job. <laughs> I wish I wish pages on the internet weren't just endless scrolling, and they had like uh-huh. official page numbers. Because I I think there's like three hundred pieces of trivia. Like I was like, this is so long. Yeah. So I just stopped halfway through, and I was like, this is fine. The other thing I want to say is that I, unfortunately, I like this movie too much, so I will not be able to engage um, honestly with this movie. So I'm, that's going to so be a real problem. I'm so relieved because I really thought that you were about to be like, I did not watch the movie for today. Oh, yeah. no, I, I did. I I've been just, very much looking forward to watching this film. I have okay. not seen this movie. I'm going to start off the bat. I'm just going to announce. I'm going to start off by saying, I don't know who Ryan Gosling is. <laughs> I've actually never watched any of these movies that we've reviewed. <laughs> You've done a remarkable um, job, yeah. Molly, you are currently very close to La La Land. You are, I am. You are like a, a two hours away. Yeah. You can't take the train right now because of uh, right. coastal, er- coastal erosion. erosion. Oh, yes. yeah. So probably never again. Um, <laughs> certainly not going the other direction. Um, the coast is yeah. blooming. I... Coastal bloom. <laughs> Um, uh, I actually watched this on the plane ride to San Diego. <gasps> wow. How uh like four days ago <laughs> oh so you just got there yeah i got th- i got here on well okay almost a week i came on friday okay past friday yeah. wow and did it feel did it feel different did it feel, did it feel molly did it feel <laughs> i um i don't know i think i'm just still getting my bearings here and i'm staying with my brother and his family which is great um but i've been here before to visit them so i think i keep having to try to like remind myself that I'm like moving here and I'm yeah. not just here for a visit. It still feels like a like a, oh, I'm visiting right now. Right. So I think in like a few weeks and I'm trying to like intentionally go out and explore different neighborhoods and stuff and try to get a better sense of the city. Um, I haven't been anywhere yet that I'm like, oh, this is like, this is my vibe. This is my mm-hmm. kind of place. Um, but I'm still, you know, hopeful that that'll, that that'll happen. But I loved that the movie started with like really bright, sunny, you know, shots yes. mm-hmm. and then it goes to winter. And that was like, kind of huge as a person who's lived in the office oh, lived in winter yeah. <laughs> was moving to san it's diego to be like yeah. whoa yeah. yeah so um it was very reflective i also uh, to... i feel like this would be a great plane movie 
it was a great plane movie, but I have to tell you a little <laughs> bit more about my experience of watching it, which is that oh, no. uh, we landed before I finished. So literally, oh no, we're in the jazz club. Oh, oh no, <laughs> we <laughs> we cut to Emma Stone in a flashback of earlier in the movie. Right. She's looking at Ryan Gosling in the piano. Ladies and gentlemen, we've begun our descent into San Diego. So I. <laughs> did not know what that flashback was going to do for a solid five hours, I'm going to say. <laughs> oh I God. made my way back from the airport. Yeah. I played with my nephews. I had dinner, a whole thing. Oh, my God. Got ready for bed. Got into bed. Pulled up my iPad and watched <laughs> the last 20 minutes. And you Just were like, as Xavier and Chazelle wanted you to watch it on an iPad and as, on a plane. As it was as, <laughs> as, as intended. As God intended. I feel, I feel very much like the artistic integrity and the intention was maintained <laughs> in the way that I watched this movie. <laughs> God. That cinemascope really worked on Molly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Full yeah. effects. That's wow. so funny. Um, what a movie. What of all of the musicals for you for us to have watched where you were like, oh, I gotta pause it right before the end. That's um a, an interesting one to have it happen to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and, and listeners who have not seen La La Land will know soon when I give the summary the significance of that moment. Right. Oh, um, yes. But I'm guessing some of our listeners probably haven't. But you two were also in Los Angeles just this past weekend. That's so. right. We, we were. Too. So we were. Uh, we started our trip up north in Simi Valley. We were there with uh, Ampleverse co-host Ari. It was her wedding. So we were there celebrating. And then went to Anaheim. We took the Amtrak to Anaheim because, you know, Adam is an urbanist and loves trains. I don't know if you knew. I don't know if you knew that that's like his new thing now. City planning, (laughs) public transit. Absolutely. Bike infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So we took the Amtrak to Anaheim and it really wasn't that bad. It was like two hours, but it flew by. Like I I barely felt it that. I mean, I took a nap, so that was nice. Were you going to Anaheim? Were you going to Anaheim to, to go to Disney? Here's no. a kicker. We did not. We, we went for a K-pop concert. On Disneyland we did not I'm step so foot. proud of you, yeah, too. We didn't even look. I'm so happy for you and the growth that you've gotten. Thank through. you. We did walk by, and it was awful. It was packed. It was just We were there a on a Saturday night, and it, it was, was a Saturday. Busy. There was nowhere to eat. We had to, like, literally drive away from Anaheim to get food, and it was yeah. still busy at the place we picked. So, Molly, um, you... Luckily, did get to see the whole movie, <laughs> so yes, you can eventually. succinctly, hopefully, summarize mm-hmm. this film. Um, so, this is your challenge this week to summarize the plot of La La Land, and your time begins now. Mia, a struggling actress. Nope. <laughs> okay, 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 take two, take two, take two. This is Hollywood. This is Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood we need different Hollywood. takes. Yeah, we, we need different takes. Options. Absolutely, right, right. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you um, want to give me a note on that one? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I think I'm happy to take your notes. Okay, okay, great. Yeah, I can do it a different way. (laughs) You'll call me, or okay, yep, okay. Wait, I can't hear you very well now. Hold on. Oh, no. Oh, my mic. Okay, yeah. There we go. Okay. I just pressed it off. Okay, Molly. Count. This is your challenge. Um, for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, never done this before. Right, never done. It's (laughs) incredible. (laughs) Summarize the plot. We should do this to RJ more often. We should give him give three me chances. takes. Yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, you have to summarize the plot of La La Land in one minute or less, and your time does begin now. 
Mia, a struggling actress, keeps having chance encounters with Seb, a jazz musician who dreams of opening his own club one day. After initially rubbing each other the wrong way, they fall in love and encourage one another's dreams. However, Seb eventually takes a steady job in an old friend's pop jazz band for financial stability, while Mia quits her job as a barista to focus on writing and performing her own one-woman show. The two have a falling out over their disparate pursuits, and Seb ends up missing Mia's opening night because of a commitment with the band. Mia's show has a nearly empty audience, and she gives up on her career, but Seb receives a call from a casting director who saw the show. Seb convinces Mia to take one last audition and tells her she should give up everything to pursue the role if offered. We cut to five years later when Mia um, has become famous. She and her new husband encounter a jazz club that she discovers belongs to Seb. Seb sees Mia and plays her a song that is shown as a dream ballet, showing an alternative version of events where the two stay together through Mia's successes. They give one another a lingering look and part ways. Wow. wow. With three minutes to, uh, three seconds to Three spare. minutes. Three, <laughs> three minutes to spare. Minutes. Three I seconds. four minutes that time? Okay, yeah. <laughs> No, you actually went, you bat, you time traveled and you went back <laughs> while you talked. So yeah, it was so weird. Three. Oh, great job. Uh, at, at first I thought it was funny because you started with after initially rubbing each other. And if you didn't go to the wrong, you know, that was funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that yeah, was yeah, my yeah. main note. Yeah. You played the humor there. I think Thank that was you. good. Thank you. So that's my oh, oh, we're yeah, going to yeah, do, yeah. Yeah, this is <laughs> I leaned into the bit. Of, this, of this one. Is I got we're gonna body. Do notes. Yeah. yeah. We're going to yeah, do yeah. notes the whole episode. And the wardrobe choices, was it too much to be dressed as Mia for that ceremony? <laughs> or... um, I do have a Seb look I can pull out. If mm-hmm. Oh, here. absolutely. I really, I connected to both roles and I'd really be happy to, <laughs> to try out either both. one. Yeah. Uh... I, did, I did prepare for both. I have a song in my book that I actually think would be really good for Seb if you wanted to hear it or, you know. <laughs> I can pull out my saxophone actually if need be. <laughs> we'll call you. We'll call you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Um. So I saw this musical or saw this movie, I should say, in 2016 when it was brand new in theaters. Um. We RJ and I saw it together with our friends Robbie and Jesse, who we lived in Orlando at the time. Um. Just to put everything in context, as we all remember, uh, the end of 2016. Um. No. What happened? <laughs> What's going on? I don't really remember. Before the pandemic, I didn't really assume anything happened. Yeah. Is that a big year? It was a quiet year, as I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So just like that energy (laughs) hung out in the space. Um, But I loved this movie the first time I saw it. I have not watched it since my initial viewing. So I was actually very interested to see if it held up for me. Um, Spoiler alert, it did. And I turned to RJ after three and a half minutes of watching this film yesterday. And I was like, yeah, it just works. The movie works. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) So um, yeah, I'm I'm very pro. Unfortunately, I, uh, like I said earlier, I won't be able to engage earnestly in whether in any criticisms that's lobbied against this film. So we can discuss them, but I just really won't be commenting on them (laughs) because I... I can't without sounding crazy. So um, <laughs> that's really where I'm at today with La La Land. Uh, RJ. So uh, with Adam, I did see this movie for the first time with him. It was like the pre like 2017 wider release. So it was like the limited release in just certain cities. Um, and so like we were one of the first people that saw it and really loved it. And uh, as the movie progressed and like it got a wider uh, audience, I I just felt like there were other people that it, it got the like, oh, it was too hyped now that more people saw it and it wasn't actually as good as people said it was. So I like didn't really re-engage and watching it again until now because I was like, well, maybe I am one of those people who like after rewatching it, maybe it wasn't as good. But I still, yeah, I th- I agree with Adam. It still holds up and I still really loved it. 
with my second watch. And I just felt like that first watch, because it was the end of 2016, because it was the famous Oscars where it was put up against Moonlight and that like mm-hmm. became the news cycle from January to March. Um, that like, it was just like, is it La La Land or is it Moonlight? If it's La La Land, then that means LA just like loves to suck its own dick and that will just, you know, will always just uh, do whatever for like movies about LA. If it's Moonlight, then it's the, it's like social change. Like it was just like too, uh, it was just like people just put on like, stakes that really didn't need to be put on those two movies and i felt Mm -hmm. like it was very unfair for the two filmmakers who were both doing like the both movies were very good in their own way and it just was so unfortunate that like that was the whole conversation because it symbolized like trump and hillary all over again and it was like yeah somehow it became that how did this become well if if la la land wins then Trump has won yet again. And it was yeah. like, how did this become the narrative? Where did we, where did we go? Where did, how yeah. did, okay, anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, that's like, how do we, how are we ranking art by being like, what is the best movie of the year? Like, what is that? What is, yeah. What's the rubric? And no um, one piece of art can like hold up all those social expectations on right. it. Like they're, they're just, I mean, they're not just movies. There's meaning and themes and things that are relevant, but you can't put everything on like a society going in the right or wrong direction based off of which movie wins the Oscars. You know, that's that's too much responsibility for these art pieces. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Molly. Yeah. La La Land relationship. I, as I referenced, had not ever seen it before, and I kind of intentionally waited to watch it because I obviously knew about it through cultural osmosis Mm -hmm. and so i sort of saw that like initial peak and then like backlash to it kind of thing happen and i feel like when you see that going on often the best thing is to be like i'm gonna come back to this in a few years when everyone's opinions have just like tempered down (laughs) we can just like engage with it as a movie so i would say that i was pleasantly surprised because of i think i had internalized a little bit more negativity than i realized Mm -hmm. about it if if everyone was like really into it i get why it would feel like too much um but as sort of like a quieter movie Mm -hmm. i think it i think it really hits a lot of really great um like it was a really good mix of like an homage to old hollywood without just being for nostalgia like it was telling its own story at the same time um so yeah i thought it was great wonderful Wow, what a huge sigh of relief for Adam. I, I'm going to be really nervous. <laughs> you thought I was going to be I, like really I down looked on ahead it. at your notes just to yeah. be like, where is Molly been, on the spectrum? Molly does that more often now. She's leaving her notes yeah, a little Molly, sparse. Molly's a little sparse <laughs> in her notes. You two keep she... trying to sneak on what I'm going to say. So. <laughs> I just wanted to know if I needed to come in hot or not. <laughs> look, Hot look. or not. We are friends, Adam. You can you can text me if you're feeling real anxiety about it, and I will tell you the truth if you need it. But okay, we're gonna do another take of that. But I want you to really believe that we're friends. When you say <laughs> oh yeah. They got me, y'all. I, I don't have any friends. She says. Oh. Um, there's some uh, great fish at the at SeaWorld that you can befriend since you're in San Diego oh my now. God. Um, there is this is actually reminding me of an off podcast conversation i want to have with you guys but i'm not putting it on i'm not recording it you're you want to work at SeaWorld? <laughs> good god no 
<laughs> Blackfish was a lie. It, it's so I went there last time I was here to visit and it's I'm so stressed for those animals. Like I just oh, yeah. the fact that they do like concerts there and stuff. I just feel like it can't not stress out the whales. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just too much. <laughs> I think they're doing a lot to like try to to do better yeah. or whatever. I'm not saying that you're no. like a bad person if you enjoy SeaWorld, but right. for me, it's just I just get worried about it. Yeah, yeah. the concerts are crazy because I didn't know a whale could shred the guitar like that. Like, it's just <laughs> yeah, really it's nuts. really so it is really impressive that they play them that well, but but I just think that those like those whales, whales must be jazz. tired. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Um, I love a movie like this because I don't have to do research on the original piece that it comes from because it's mm. an original mm. film. Um, so I can deduct my time of research in like half, basically. So that was nice. So La La Land <laughs> is directed by Damien Chazelle, um, who had just directed Whiplash. That was like his most recent project mm-hmm. before this. Another like music movie. Music movie, music drama. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also written by Damien Chazelle. It's produced by Fred Berger. Jordan Horowitz, Gary Gilbert, and Mark Platt, Ben's father. He strikes again. He strikes again. (laughs) It stars Ryan Gosling. Oh, sorry. I have to scroll down. It stars Ryan Gosling as Sebastian Seb Wilder. Emma Stone plays Amelia Mia Dolan. Uh, John Legend plays Keith. Uh, Rosemary DeWitt plays Laura Wilder, Seb's sister. Finn Whitrock plays Greg. Greg. And J.K. Simmons plays Bill. Um, just keep Simmons. Just kidding, Simmons. Just kidding, just kidding Simmons. Simmons. Uh, cinematography is by Linus Sandgren. It is edited by Tom Cross. The music, the music, is by Justin Hurwitz. The lyrics are by Pasek and Paul. So the music is not Pasek and Paul. Mm-hmm. And I think I finally discovered that I don't like Pasek and Paul's <laughs> music because I was what like. Is- why do I like this one so much, but I don't yeah. like any others? And then I what pre- have they done other than Dear Evan Hansen? Greatest Showman. Oh. Um, <laughs> and, they they're, and they're releasing a new movie uh, this season called Lyle Lyle Crocodile, which oh, we yeah. will be Crocodile. watching next year, next I'm year. sure. Um, what's the other one? What's the one? Um, what's the... the, the uh, I'm, mm. You'll shoot your eye out. Christmas Story. Christmas Story. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Music for a Christmas Story. And that's a stage musical. It's not. There's not a movie musical version of Christmas. They did story, the right? TV. They did a TV version of it for uh, okay. for Fox. And Fox. Yeah, Fo- it was like a live. Okay. Uh, sorry. It, uh, the production company Summit Entertainment, Gilbert Films, Mark Platt Productions, Imposter Pictures, Black Label Media. It's distributed by Lionsgate. I don't even know if Lionsgate has a logo sound, so we'll f- we'll figure it out. It's uh, just a roaring lion. Oh, no, that's MGM. Never that's right. MGM. <laughs> it's also a lion. <laughs> Rawr. Rawr. <laughs> I'll just clip that. <laughs> if they don't have one, there it is. Uh, it, was, um, it debuted at the Venice Film Festival in August of 2016, but obviously uh, didn't actually debut in the States until December 9th, 2016. It had a limited release at first, and then it went wide like Christmas week. Um, its running time is 128 minutes. Uh, the budget was thirty million, and its box office is four hundred forty-eight point nine million. Its budget was thirty million. Yeah, that seems really low for like high production that I felt like we watched. Oh yeah, I mean it doesn't look like a cheap movie at all. It looks very expensive to me. Yeah, but the director wasn't 
didn't have tons of experience before. I mean, he did Whiplash, but it's a pretty small movie as well, right? right? And Ryan and Emma are, it's not like it's like Tom Cruise and like Nicole Kidman. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like people at the absolute pinnacle of their. Yeah. Pro- Ryan probably was like, because I don't even very... think, I don't think Ryan had his nomination yet, and Emma wins for this film. Ryan's had nominated. He was he was nominated for an indie film. Oh, obviously. Lars and the Real Girl. Mm. No, Half Nelson. Oh. So I so fun fact in high school, I used to be obsessed with Ryan Gosling and watch like literally all of his films before before this, and um and it was because of Lars and the Real Girl. Like I literally fell in love with him huh. in that movie. Yeah, that's uh, an interesting that one. one to... It's the one where he's in love with a, a sex doll. He's right? in yeah, love. He's doll. in love with a sex doll, but he's like on the spectrum. So it's and then oh, the town, layers. like yes, and so the town because this is the first time they've ever seen him like be social. Basically, they all treat the sex doll as like a real person. So she's like involved in committees. She like helps. Like yeah. she has like part time jobs. It's a really sweet movie. It's very sweet. And yeah. then spoiler alert: at the end, when Lars like just basically like the relationship like has to end they all basically like play along to that like she's Mm -hmm. sick and that yeah and they have like a funeral and it's it's literally it's it's one of my favorite movies of all time it's so good but yeah i literally fell in love with there was a behind the scenes video filming of that and he did like a bit where he was like taking the mic off um from the like the lapel and like you saw his abs a little bit and i literally was like oh no i think i like this man in a different level now and then that's when it it all connected that's what it all connected the pieces of the puzzle mm-hmm. you're the only music theater person who has a crush on ryan gosling so yeah, I, I don't know because you know this is coming while, from while everyone was crushing on little little uh wannabes like jeremy jordan we have real men like ryan gosling how dare you slander jeremy jordan to my face in this way in this way in this way in this, in manner. this manner well i could do it in a different way if you'd like could i can we get another take <laughs> of that would you like me to do a different take I'd like you to do it, but um, <laughs> I want you to do it like you before, before you said it, you got so, yeah. um you got a phone call from your mom <laughs> to tell you that your childhood dog has to be put down. Oh my god! <laughs> I want to see his range in a real life. You know what I mean? I want to see the discovery. I'm, I'm taking out a makeup wipe, but I'm wiping makeup off your face. Jesus Christ! I want to see the real you. <laughs> so stupid oh my god <laughs> bradley cooper is canceled just so you know just for me just personally i've canceled him not the Bra- rest of society are you but... referencing the lady um... gaga thing from oh, stars born, stars yeah. born. Stars yeah he's secretly gay too that's the rumor that's the think... rumor that's the rumor we're not going to spread that on this podcast <laughs> um no we no. would never speculate about anyone's sexuality on this podcast <laughs> no 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 uh, Damien Chazelle um, went to Harvard for undergrad. Um, he'd always been into musical films. Um, he was like a drummer, I guess, in a, like a band. Um, cool. The band he was in, the singer, is the guy who sings in the like 80s cover band. Oh, cool. Oh, that's See, if that's the thing you do with your friends when you all of a sudden like get to do a cool movie. Be like, I'm going to put you in the best bit in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he wanted to write an old movie musical, but like grounded in reality, allegedly. I don't know why I said allegedly. That's what he did. Um, he wrote Jeez. it. Well, allegedly. Apparently there's realism in, in this field. <laughs> uh, 
so he wrote a senior thesis with his friend Justin Hurwitz about a Boston jazz musician, and the movie was called Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench, and it was inspired by like 1920s city symphony films, mm. um, where it's like celebrates the city that the story is taking place mm. in. Mm-hmm. So then, when they ended up relocating to LA after college, they like kept writing it, and they switched the setting from Boston to LA. So that's how we get La La Land specifically. Um, um, so it was like shopped around for a while. Um, nobody wanted to take a chance on it because it's like a huge musical with like a lot of set pieces and all this stuff. Um, and musicals in general are very expensive to film. Um, so originally Focus Features was like, okay, well, we'll consider doing it but we need you to make some changes. So the changes they wanted him to make originally were that they wanted him to be a rock musician instead of a jazz musician. Mm. They didn't want as much of an elaborate opening as what is currently in the film. And um, they had to, he had to cut the, the ending. So he had to like make them end up together. Um, and Ooh. so he just was like, no, I, I'm not doing any of that. And so like, yeah. was like, I'll just take a break. Um, and I like that the idea that he was like, I'll just wait. Cause, and I'll end up down the line. I'll bring it back out. So he ends up doing Whiplash, um, which we've referenced already, but Whiplash is basically a drama about uh, a, a, a kid, a, like a high school student and his like music teacher. Um, and it's like a very intense drama about like, like kind of like perfection. the mix of generation yeah. and yeah, and like musicality and artistry and um, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons like is in love with jazz. So you get that again. And he, he won the uh, he won the Oscar. And he won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for it. So because of Whiplash, he then has all this like hot buzz around him. Um, so he starts shopping it around again and finally gets some producers to sign on to the project. And then it gets um, distribution from Lionsgate. So that that's the story um, and how the movie was made. Um, other than that, I really don't have anything interesting. Um, casting, Seb was originally supposed to be Miles Teller, who plays the student in Whiplash, so he was going to use him again. Um, mm-hmm. That fell apart due to long contract negotiations, and he just finally pulled out, so they got uh, Ryan Gosling instead. Ryan Gosling did not know how to play the piano prior to this film, and he learned in six weeks. Oh my so god! He, he practiced for two hours a day. It, he only knows like how to play his the things parts he, he needed to, to play, yeah. but yeah. everything in this movie is him actually playing it, and like the craziest part is like what did they feed he... these children in canada that they're now they, they're super in the mickey mouse club, the mickey mouse yeah. club then now they're like super soldiers he um i i think it's crazy because like he looks like he's i mean he is like playing he's also acting while he's playing it like yes. that's yeah. the craziest part yeah he looks like an insane jazz musician. I mean, <laughs> I would love to get the opinion of someone who like plays piano to know if it's convincing to an expert eye, but certainly to a novice eye, it's like amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, it reminds me of how in Call Me By Your Name, uh, Timothy learned to play the guitar and he learned um, Italian and French for the film. And I... I haven't seen that movie. I, it, I own it. Uh, I saw it alone I saw it by myself, and then there it was like a matinee. It was like a two o'clock movie screening on like a Wednesday because I had the day off, and it was me and like three other gay men who were all alone, all of us individually sitting <laughs> around a theater, weep like weeping, crying. <laughs> it was really wild. It's a great movie. Okay. Um, it's a shame Army Hammer's in it. Uh, we're moving on. Um, so Mia was originally supposed to be played by Emma Watson. Emma. Um, Emma. That would have been different. 
That would have been very different. It would definitely would have been a different Mia. It would have been a different movie. Uh, yeah. So she drops out to do Beauty of the Beast. So Emma Stone gets in here and does this. The irony being that later in their careers, um, Emma Stone is cast uh, as Meg in Little Women, but ends up having to drop out because she has to do promo for The Favorite. So Emma Watson ends up playing Meg in Little Women. And I like that. I think those are all correct. I think everything yeah, happened the way I it's agree. supposed to. Do. I think yeah. those are they other played. They ended Watson up Watson being cast in Beauty and the Beast. Other than, other than her. no, other than Beauty and the Beast being made, being made, being created. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Other than all live action Disney movies, good choices. Um, say that. The other that. thing that's ironic about Beauty and the Beast is that Grant Gosling pulled out of Beauty and the Beast to do La La Land because he was supposed to be Gaston. Oh. I do like that. That would have been good as well. That would have been fun. But I did like Luke, what's his face, uh, as Gaston. Yes, he's great. Do you know what? Actually, I'm dragging Disney live action remakes and I've never seen any of them. So I think that's for the best. There's a couple that are Cinderella. I would say Cinderella is the best one. And that was the first one they did. Like the first in this new era. I'm literally just. I like the Jungle Book. I'm just mm-hmm. expressing secondhand opinions on all of these things. Yeah, yeah. Just like, that's how just we, like yeah, Adam's done for like every I, podcast. Yes, that's every how literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I will do you want say me to too... talk about what second wave feminism is? Or <laughs> do you want me to go into that Yes, again? but do it yeah, in the way as if you, you also just got a call from your mom <laughs> saying that you're done. <laughs> Let's really bring in the stakes. Um, I was also a very, like, in college more specifically, I was like a huge Emma Stone fan because I just felt like mm-hmm. I was oh. just... She was like a she. I've she, never seen a bad Emma Stone performance. She was just so good at like everything she did. Yeah. Did I watch the the movie where she played an Asian woman? No. And Aloha. you know what? That's for the best because we. And that's no one... why they've all been good. And from that's your why they've all been good. Yeah. I well, just because I mean, she may have still been good in the that's movie. That's true. She just was she like just shouldn't have shouldn't been cast have been or shouldn't right, have accepted. Right, right, right. But like, I've always turned in a very good performance. Oh yeah. I feel like I was a little disappointed with her in this movie only because, again, it was, like, so much hype around her performance in it that I think I probably had, like, expectations that couldn't have been met by anything. But don't you have a story about Emma Stone going to your high school, RJ? (laughs) Yes, Emma Stone went to the girls' school. um, and You didn't go to the girls' school? I did not go to the girls' school, unfortunately, no. Um, But uh, she talks about this on on her SNL when she hosted SNL, but she did a PowerPoint presentation to her parents as to why she should not finish high school and go to LA to just pursue acting. And they did it. She was also like very um, active in like the local Phoenix theater scene. Oh, too. booming. Yeah. Booming. So like, you know, like the children's theater, like, you know, those kind of stuff. Yeah, like yeah. she did like all those yeah. shows and stuff. So. I just was thinking about that story in the first scene of the movie when she's like, in the car going to the audition yes. blah 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 that i was like i mean it's literally the life of every actor that we've yeah, ever seen yeah. in a movie but i was thinking about the fact that you had actually told me a story of her going to la as a young person yes, and, stuff. and that's yeah. and i i think that's why i i mean i don't want to you know whatever but th- that's why i really liked her performance because i'm like you can tell that this is someone who has gone through what yeah. mia has gone through so i mean in all of the stuff that i read they just kept talking about how she like drew on her experiences of like her first couple years where she was just like she would go to auditions and like say a line and they'd be like, okay, thank you. And she'd be like, cool. <laughs> Have a great day. Um, but the, my favorite one was, um, do you know the scene in the movie where there's like the audition and the person comes in to take the lunch order and she's like crying and she like, doesn't know <laughs> how to like 
continue that actually apparently happened to ryan gosling in an audition once <gasps> mm. he was like crying in an audition and somebody started ordering their lunch out loud and he it was, was like played yeah it was played so perfectly in the movie you felt yeah. every moment of the mm. like what do it like the what way that she <laughs> conveyed that was so good yeah yeah it's so funny um, so Damien Chazelle, um, really, in order to emulate those old Hollywood movie musicals, a lot of them have really long extended dance number sequences where it's like shot in one take. So his mm-hmm. goal was to shoot as much of the like film in one take as possible. It not It's not like the whole movie is not a one or it's not like the Birdman or anything like that. Um, but he tried to do really long takes as often as possible. So, for example, like in the Prius dance sequence, um, where they're like shooting on that like hill mm-hmm. at magic hour. So they were only able to shoot for 30 minutes because you only have that sunlight from 720 to 750. Wow. Um, so they did it over the course of two days. They did five takes. Um, and only the fourth take was used, but like, each time they would like finish the take, run back to their spots to start over. And the like the assistant directors would like come and like wipe their sweat off and then they would just like start again. <laughs> wow. Which is like super cool. Um, yeah. There's a lot of beautiful cinematography in this film. Like this mm-hmm. film is so just like watch it on mute because it's so pretty to look at. Um, the the Another Day of Sun, which is the opening sequence. Um, they did shut down the freeway. It's apparently I don't listen. I don't know anything about the LA freeway system other than it's bad. <laughs> um, so they did shut down a ramp um, for that. That's not CGI. That is them in actual space. Um, and it was originally going to be on this flat part of the freeway, but he really wanted the like shot of like the city mm-hmm. in the background sprawling out around them. And so he said, Damien Chazelle said that the freeway is supposed to be akin to the yellow brick road leading to Oz, mm. which is very sweet. We love a reference um, and he employs a lot of them in this film, but I don't think any of them are like only really at the end. Do I feel like the references are like beat you over the head? If that makes sense. Yeah. I um one of the articles that I read for today from what's the person's first name. Laura Rodriguez Arnaz, I think is their name. Um, And she pointed out that, the opening sequence they're all stuck in the traffic and then mm-hmm. in the final scene when they go to the jazz club they pull off of the ramp and how it's like metaphorically oh. like she's one of the only people who can get off of that like she actually successfully makes it and i yeah. was like oh i didn't catch that i really <gasps> yeah. like that idea that's yeah cool. that's cool um and uh in the audition which is the only other one i really wanted to talk about the audition song where emma sings um the dreamers who dream or whatever the song is i don't here's to the Ladies who lunch. <laughs> Aren't they a gap? Here's to the mess that we make. I just know it's one line. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, in the audition song, she sang it, aca- not acapella, but there was no in-room sound. She had an in-ear piece, and then Justin Hurwitz played the piano with her. Mm. Um, so he was, like, following her lead. Cool. Which is okay in this one instance, Tom Hooper, but right, not because for it's every such song. A, it's such an emotive song. Like, it's a song. Yeah. It's it was like earned. Why, it's yeah. the exact same as like why it worked in um, a movie that we obviously haven't watched, Lame <laughs> Rob. Yes, um, can't wait to talk about that one when we get to that. Movie. One day in the future. Hathaway, because that that song is so like raw and raw vulnerable, emotional, yeah, emotionable, yeah. mm-hmm. a new word. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. That's all I have. Um, let's talk about the Academy Awards because this movie is tied with Titanic and all about Eve for having the most nominations for a film ever mm. at 13 awards. Um, of the three, it is that the is only nice one that, that the has thir- not won best picture. 
That is nice that those three movies, uh, two of them, well, one of them is a mu- musical and one of them is like, I don't know, a canonically gay movie. So that's nice to know <laughs> that the queers uh, can really pick some good ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gay people are not known for having good taste otherwise. Yeah, so honestly. It's good that we yeah. represented film. Finally. <laughs> so this movie, I'll read what it was nominated for first and then I'll read what it actually won after. So it was nominated for Best Sound Mixing, Best Sound Editing. Best original song for audition, parentheses, The Fools Who Dream, close parentheses. Mm. That's the name of the song. Best film editing, best costume design, best original screenplay, best actor, and best picture. We'll talk about best picture in just a moment. However, this movie did win best production design, uh, best original song for City of Stars, which I would contest is not a song and is actually a motif, but mm. that's neither here nor there. Fine best, words. Best original <laughs> score, best cinematography, best actress, and best director from Damien Chazelle. The youngest winner in Oscar, Oscar history, winning the award at the age of 32. Whoa. So we have one year left to get it all wrapped up. <laughs> Excuse me, I have two years. I'm only thirty, so wow. I, I was I was more speaking for RJ. Okay, oh great. yeah, yeah. Well, when I, I do hit better. when I do hit thirty two, guess who's gonna hit the the emotional uh, aftermath of me? You know, oh, who has gonna oh, have to deal with the brunt of it? Clean up yes, the mess. who's yeah. cleaning up this mess at thirty two? Great, I can't wait. How fun! Um, so the Academy Awards. So uh. I would say one of the most iconic things about this movie is that this film was awarded, quote unquote, best <laughs> picture at the Oscars. And then um, about, five, what is it? I think it's four minutes in. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Moonlight, you guys won best picture. Moonlight, you guys um, won best picture. I did picture. put in the clip, Molly, if you wanted to refresh yourself on that oh, moment. Great. It's under your cabaret link. It's the love of my life, Ali Lowy. I'm up here because of you. I love you so much. It's my family, Maman, Papa, Jeff. Hommage vous adore. Matt Pluff, you kicked this off. And Damien Chazelle, we're standing on your shoulders. We lost, by the way, but, you know. I'm sorry, no. It was when the producer said, we lost, by the way. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. This is not a joke. This is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. You can hear Moonlight in the audience is one best picture. What? what? Yeah. Moonlight, best picture. This is so iconic, and like obviously, it would have been way better if Moonlight had gotten their full like moment. Yeah, their full then, moment. Yeah. Um, because for the rest of history, it will feel like they kind of shared this moment with. Yeah. Um. La La Land, um, I like both of these movies, so whatever. But um, it's very sad. So let's just, de- de- we have to talk about how it happened. So there are cards on both sides of the stage for the presenters, depending, because they don't know which side they're going to come in and out. So they have a double set for each for each side. So the Price Watterson Cooper, Price Waterhouse, Water, Price Waterhouse Cooper, Price Waterhouse Cooper auditors, who are the people who like do the counting of the official ballots, and they have like the the official like list of awards. Da da da. Um, apparently, one of them was like taking selfies with um, like stars backstage, and so like wasn't mm. really paying attention. So when they handed off the best picture um, envelope, they actually handed off the other best actress envelope. So when it was opened and the t- the so the card it had the Oscars at the top 
it said in the middle, La La Land, um, Emma Stone, really big letters. And then on the very small letters on the bottom, it said Best Actress. So um, Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway get up and open the card. Faye, there's a moment at the beginning where Warren Beatty like looks at it for a moment and the audience kind of laughs because they think he's doing a bit. He's drawing out the applause, whatever. He's actually just confused because he sees that it says Emma Stone. It shouldn't say Emma Stone. It should say the producer's names. So Faye Dunaway takes the card and is like, la, 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 and just like runs with it. First of all, I love that Faye Dunaway has never apologized. She doesn't care. <laughs> I lo- like there were reports from that night where she was like backstage while everything was going on, like drinking a glass of champagne being like, who cares? This isn't real. Like, <laughs> yeah, she is a nut job and Unbothered. iconic. So, uh, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so yeah, so then uh, Moonlight, or I'm sorry, um, everybody comes up to give speeches and then the scurrying begins of the auditors realizing that the award has been misannounced. So they get on to correct it and then everybody from, they swap, they swap casts and everybody comes up and Moonlight yeah. is finally able to accept their award. Much to everybody's shock and surprise. I just remember the crowd shot it, of everyone just like, <gasps> yeah. just like fully Agog. Remember when this was the craziest thing that had ever happened at the Oscars? Remember when we were making Will Smith uh, references before, as as it was I've done that so many times. We there was just a podcast I was re-listening to where I talk about loving Olivia Wilde and just like no mention of <laughs> anything that's happened recently with Olivia Wilde. Just I just I'm so actually grateful because we kind of took a break from recording everyone because yes. I had a lot of different travel and stuff going yeah. on, and the now fact we this are is going to come out so much closer to when we're releasing it. In like Ooh, a I week. Hope, I hope yeah. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone don't do anything in the next like seven days. Please, really truly, like, I think please. that they will based off of my karma. <laughs> Anytime I express a positive opinion about somebody, do you want to say? I don't know if it was Brad Pitt. I don't know if it was you. Our podcast recording earlier this week, and then it came out the like allegations of like him like choking one of his kids once, and we had to scrub it from the record before the episode went out. So I don't think it's you, Molly. I think it's Adam. <laughs> okay. It's me. Adam, I think you should take accountability for that fact. I should. And, and I could, won't. And, and, I won't. <laughs> and when you do take accountability, can you take it in a way where uh, um, oh, yeah, just yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> discovered some new information? Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So the week... <laughs> also, Molly Zoom freezes every time we do the bit. So every time we do the... Can the, you take it another... Take another take? Take another take bit. So maybe we stop doing that for the episode. Okay, anyway... <laughs> So the week this goes um, wide, which it's in 200 theaters, so it's not fully wide yet, um, but it's like the official opening day for the Wikipedia. So uh, Moonlight, or I'm sorry. Wow, you wow, just, did, just it, did it, Faye Dunaway. <laughs> uh, La La Land is uh, in number seven uh, with uh, $4 million, $4,192,91. Uh, number six is Manchester by the Sea. Which, um, what's his name, won the Oscar for? What's mm-hmm. his name? Casey Affleck? Casey Affleck. Affleck, sorry. Affleck. Casey Affleck. <laughs> Affleck? Casey Afflicted? Casey Afflicted. Oh. Uh, number five is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Number four is... What Cl- movie is that? I've never, never heard, heard of it. Never heard no. of it. 
Um, that was written by Shakira, is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the one where she didn't pay her taxes on what she made for the movie, so that's why Spain came out. We can't name any celebrities. There's always something that's attached to any celebrity. No, we see, here's the thing. Do we want to is say it... anything positive about Joe Rowling while we're in the area? <laughs> I think I think what we should do is try to name all celebrities because then it's like it'll be too diffuse and then that's nothing true, bad that's true. Happen, you know what sure. I mean? Absolutely. So just like throwing shit Sid Charisse just like for fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Four was Collateral Beauty. I don't I remember this movie, you. and this is only six years ago, so I feel a bit embarrassed. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, number three was Office Christmas Party. Number two is Moana. And number mm-hmm. one is Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, which I also saw in theaters. But these aren't, <coughs> these aren't necessarily saying it was their, it was also their opening weekends, right? Like Rogue um, One. Rogue One and Collateral Beauty, it's their opening weekend. Oh, wow. That's why they're in yellow. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So technically, La La Land is in its second week because it was in five theaters the weekend before, but I did not count that because it would be silly too. Great. We can move on to talking about La La Land. La La Land. La La Land. Rawr, rawr. Molly, what are your thoughts on La La Land as an art piece, as a piece of art, as a piece of media? I mean, I did say that I liked it at the beginning. I will say that if we're starting at the top of the movie, so there's this whole thing where, particularly in the opening scene, everyone is wearing these very bright colored, mostly primary colored outfits, Mm -hmm. very monochromatic. And I hate that choice. I one of the articles I read talked about how Emma Stone's character starts in those really bright colors and then she kind of gets more muted and it's sort of like symbolic of her like adjusting to the industry kind of being accepted by the people around her mm-hmm. um, and I like that as an idea but the starting out with those primary colors is it's so community theater to me and I think I am supposed to like cringe a little bit right at the mm-hmm. people in the cars of like there is something embarrassing about being that naive that you'll succeed yeah. but it's like a little too much for me personally sure um i do remember the first time i watched this being like wow they really like are doing music primary color oh moment um but i don't know it didn't bother me um it i it definitely helped once they were against like the magic hour colors like the the cooler colors of the sky where i was like okay then the primary colors kind for of some reason sept- have them stand out a little bit more like it worked better on the party for me rather than oh, this yeah. opening number oh the four of them when they're dancing down the street before they go to the party and they're like jewel tone that's oh, so cute um the this movie and i i thought about this while we were watching it last night and i didn't say this to rj and maybe it'll make no sense and I haven't really fully flushed it out, but this movie feels like an Obama administration film to me in the way that there's like, Hmm. there's not really like dark cynicism in this movie. Like it's Mm -hmm. still pretty positive. And like, even with the bittersweet ending, everybody still kind of gets what they want. And there's like this feeling of hope that like your dreams actually can come true. And I just like, what since this movie has come out that's been like you can do it 
<laughs> Has anything come out since then? Well, there's still, I mean, there's a lot of kind media, which we've talked about before on this mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. There's a lot of like, it, things are so ugly politically, let's just make things about people being nice to each other. Sure. Yeah. But maybe not hopefulness about dreams or like the future it's not really there's not a lot of like the future will be good stuff now it's mm-hmm. sort of like let's just be nice to each other for the moment let's yeah, all we can all do ends. is just like kind of kind of be kind on our way out i think it's kind of <laughs> yes. like right now yeah yeah i think um i don't know if like the the colors have anything to do with it it just feels like a movie that's like 2012 to 2016 and obviously came out in 2016 so that's like almost stupid to even say but like I don't know. Something about that, like second, the second term of the Obama administration is very like every, we're doing so good, and like we're not we're gonna focus on like L.A. and we're not gonna like what's going on in Memphis, what's going on in Boise. Like I don't, and I I'm not criticizing this film for not being about Memphis and Boise. I just feel like it's like the thing that after the 2016 election, where everyone was like liberals were so navel gazy that we were so shocked that there were a bunch of people who didn't like the direction the country was going i'm using that in air quotes um i think this movie to some extent is a little bit emblematic of that just in the like it's about like people who want to make movies in la like Mm -hmm. again this is not a movie that has to represent all things at all times um it's just something i was thinking about while i was watching it i was like oh this is so funny to me (sighs) yeah (laughs) i mean Um... i'm fully putting on a context of this film that like is not intended yeah, you're putting you're putting a lot on it in the way that we were just talking about. We were about just talking about how people were doing the Academy that. Awards. <laughs> yeah. Um I see your point. I am so sick of being told that I like live in a bubble or whatever. Um yeah, especially yeah, yeah. as someone who like I guess now I live in Southern California, but like as of, you know, a week ago, but I as a person who's lived in the Midwest for almost my entire life, the like the idea that the fact that people made La La Land is like why I didn't understand why people voted for Trump, like doesn't doesn't really map on to my life experience. Um and and uh yeah, so I'm kind of I know what you're saying about the time period and how our outlook was different, but I also am just like I'm just kind of done with the whole like liberals were too in a bubble to see it coming thing at the same time i also think that that's your lens now 2022 having to go through trump and the pandemic of just like this felt like the most celebratory optimism like last last real reigning like example of that before that it's adam's 2022 like yes it's his gaze looking back yeah yeah. i think yeah and i think also it's the it's the Maybe it's just thematic in this specific song. So they're all stuck in this horrible traffic. They're going nowhere. And yet they're all like, we're just living in LA. Like, da, da, da. <laughs> and like, it's And that's the charm of the movie. That's the whole yeah. point. That's why it has to start with the song because it has to get you into like what the movie's trying to do. Yeah. And it's really sweet. And it's a great song. And it's a fun dance. Like, it's, it's good. I'm not even saying it's not good. I just like, there's just like a thematic thing that's very funny to me that I, they obviously didn't intend. But like, looking back with different eyes, you can be like, Oh, the idea of like ignoring your immediate troubles to be like, but it's all fine. But it's all fine because we're living our living pursuing our, our dreams, yeah. living in LA, right? And we have already identified that romanticism is a theme that we want to discuss. Mm. I just—it's almost I just like I say, knew where this conversation was. Almost like you're mm. directing us towards Whoa. it as like some sort of a host of the conversation. What? I do, I do though. I want to say one more thing about the whole like liberals being in a bubble thing because I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about it more and I feel that I need to put this on the internet. <laughs> I, <laughs> I 
I voted for Donald Trump in 2016. I love Christian Walker. No. (laughs) That's my girl. That's my Judy. I didn't know why you brought him up. And then I had to go look and like saw the whole abortion situation, which I was like, this is crazy. Anyway. It cut out again. What's your, what's your, go ahead. What's what's your take? Yeah. It's wild that that man exists. Um, I just want to say, I didn't expect Trump to win the election because he is a cruel person. And I didn't think that the majority of Americans were cruel people. Yeah. And if you want to tell me that that was my bad for some reason, yeah. fine. But I'm happy that I lived in a bubble before Trump was elected because <laughs> knowing that wouldn't have changed the outcome. Me being less shocked by him winning wouldn't have made him not win, mm-hmm. I don't think, unless you think that there's something that I personally could have done to persuade more people proactively against voting for him. So I will take your, you had too good a time watching La La Land criticism, and I will say <laughs> fine. Fine. Because it's a, it's a nice movie, and I like it, and I don't think it's, sure. I don't think that that's anybody's fault. So that's my take. Thank you very much for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it's true. Can we listen to a... I do like this song a lot. Can we listen to a little bit of Another Day of Sun? I think about that day I left him at a Greyhound station west of Santa Fe We were 17, but he was sweet and it was true Still I did what I had to do Cause I just knew Summer Sunday nights We'd sink into our seats right as they dimmed out all the lights A technicolor me to be on that screen and live inside a scene. Without a nickel to my name, hopped a bus, here I came. I could be brave or just insane. We'll have to see. Let's talk about uh, this film and romanticism. So mm-hmm. I had touched, we, Molly had touched on this earlier um, because I had led her like a horse to water. Um, and she bamboozled me. I bamboozled, I swindled her. Um, and, uh, I think that one of the things I really like about this movie that I think works really well, um, is that I find these two characters, Seb and Mia, um, while obviously different people, I like that they have similar trajectories in that they both like really idolize things of the past that like have fallen out of favor in the way that they were done and are trying to get back to that to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I like that, I think in some movies, this is more given to one character over the other. Like if they're trying mm-hmm. to match them, it's not always matched. And I do think that in this movie, they are pretty even through the whole thing. I think there's like one, I think at the end of the dinner table sequence, which we'll talk about in a bit, there's like one thing where he crosses the, he's the one that fully crosses the line into being like bad guy, capital B, capital G. But other than that, I think like they're both pretty even and you can, as an audience member, can see their point of view. So like everything, I don't know. I I like that about this movie and I like that um, the romanticism leads the romance to kind of fall apart, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a tagline. Wow. Um, I, I top, think it's top really of the dome, nice. baby. Top of the dome. <laughs> I think it's really nice how you see you see why they are drawn to each other through that fact that they both have this romanticization of Hollywood past or 
you know, history of an art form, but then have, you know, their separate things that are the the art that speaks to them and mm-hmm. which kind of helps it be like there's not like a competitive nature between them or something mm-hmm. the way that they're both actors say it would be. Um, mm-hmm. I think, though, I don't know. It's interesting. I kind of have this question of are they equally diluted and do we blame one more than the other? I have a lot of questions about like the, the dinner scene and mm-hmm, the sure. argument and the question of like how they pursue things. <clears throat> Um, that I just want to unpack. And I think that it's a credit to the movie that I'm thinking about it in this yeah. way. I don't, it's not, I'm not saying like I have questions like it was unclear. I mean, like, I think there's subtlety to it. Mm-hmm. RJ? Which I, yeah, I mean, I, I think like throughout the movie, that's, I, I really loved the writing of it because it is so compelling of like a true honest look at those subtle pushes and pulls in order to try and like make it in, the industry but also in a bigger sense to just like making your art your career or like your achievement to success which like mm-hmm. i've had many conversations about that with like peers and my therapist about like isn't it crazy how like we gauge how like our passions and our art once it makes money for us like it's it's like that idea of like how what you know like always questioning why you're doing it and um like it's that thing of like my goal for my art is to make it like my job or something you know like that where it's like because Mm. i can do my art like every day and like it's my source of like because that is the dream but then like when put into like in a realistic sense like how they i feel like the characters have had to like well it's because we've also been fed this like capitalist myth of being like if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life Mm. and it's like that isn't real like even people who love their job still find aspects of their job that they're like this is work yeah i'm assuming every actor on the face of the earth hates doing press junkets because it's work it's like the part of the job where you're like ugh, i don't like doing this but you do it anyway because you like everything else about it i sponsor our podcast please sponsor our podcast please sponsor (laughs) Sponsor our podcast but also that idea of like if you are a working actor you're always constantly looking for the next bigger and uh, bigger and better project and like once you've and like to, to people watching you like oh my god it, you know La La Land could be the big movie where you know like Emma won an Oscar for but then like an actress like Emma could still want to be like okay now I want more I want more 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 or like I want to do other things because now this has become a job and I want I find creative passion somewhere else too it's like yeah I don't know it's that idea of like making your yeah your art your passions a, a job and then like that gets murky of like uh what are you doing it for do you even like what you're doing and I feel like that especially in the dinner scene that you know obviously that's what Mia brings up to Seb um as like do you like what you're doing uh that kind of drives their like rift up like apart like even bigger mm. I want to say before we get to the dinner scene that I think they do such a good job of making you fall in love with them as a couple mm-hmm. and rooting so hard for their romance. And the primary way they do that is through the Prius scene, as we yes. to call it. Yeah. The so it's like a cla- classic music so theater. Classic. I this is a song about how I'm not in love I'm with you and what a shame it is yes. that I'm not in love with you, which I just uh, I just love. We eat the, it up every single time. I eat it up, and I, I ate it up here because I was like, "Oh, they know their stuff." Like there, it was yeah. this reference that I was like, "You are 
you love this genre and you mm-hmm. like care about it and you're mm-hmm. like doing the classic thing um and wow, so you mean but also- directors can direct a movie musical and like music directors who are enthusiastic about the source material wow oh but also i think too i we are all people in this podcast who on if you don't understand every single reference in this film you get a lot of them yeah and i think to this film's credit there are many things you would never have to get referentially to still appreciate and enjoy yeah. this film. Yes, yeah. It does not, it is not like, um, a RuPaul's Blue Drag Race episode where it's all references. Where it's all references <laughs> yeah. or like, that's the only way to really enjoy it is if you're a full cinephile. Cause mm-hmm. it's like shot for shot. I yeah. think this movie is so loving to old Hollywood while also being its own film and feeling separate. Right, yeah. right. And I just thought that the I thought that the song itself was really good. I thought that their dance was really beautiful. That the like the lighting. I mean, it was so worth it with mm-hmm. the shooting in these thirty you know, minute little chunks yeah. because it was just beautiful. So the scene, the setup of the scene is that he's walking her to her car. They do this whole song and dance number. He takes her all the way to the car. She says, do you want to ride back to your car? And he says, no, I'm just, I'm right up there. And then we see him turn around and he walks back all the way to the party. He was parked right in front. I died. I know. I I was deceased. (laughs) I know. I remember, I like had forgotten that happened. So when I watched it again last night, I was like, oh my God, that is such, like, you can tell if you were in that table read and you saw that you could you can hear everyone just like, oh, like that is so good. Like this, it was the, it was the moment that I was like, whatever this movie wants to do next, I'm it. Like I was a hundred percent there for it. And it's the it's so it's so show not tell. Like it's yes, so, yes, exactly. It's so the best parts of movie making mm-hmm. and what makes it so different from like crafting a play, especially because the whole setup of the oh well what a shame we're not in love with each other song like you're expect I, I was expecting because it's part of the genre whatever and I expect that song to be it's over the course of the song that they fall in love mm-hmm. and the fact that it reveals that he was falling in love before the song even started it's something mm-hmm. magical about the mm-hmm. fact that like you thought you knew when the moment happened oh no it happened earlier before you even suspected oh it's so good a lovely night a lovely night. A lovely night. A lovely night. How lovely. How lovely. Well, let's listen to a little bit of a lovely night just to, you know, place us in the Some place us in the plot. Other girl guy would love this swirling sky, but there's only you and I. And we've got no shot. This could never be. Not the type for me, and there's not a spark inside. What a, a waste of a lovely night. You say there's nothing here. Well, let's make something clear. I think I'll be the one to make that call. But you'll call. And though you look so cute in your polyester suit, it's wool. You're right, I'd never fall for you at all. Listening to this, I, so this is the first song that we hear both of them sing together. And I remembered the parts of the of the critiques was that, like, they're not great singers. And I think we even knew that coming into the movie. Yeah. So I remember being like... There were, like, clips in the trailer. It wasn't fully emphasized in the trailer, but there you could tell that it wasn't going to be, like... I mean, I think even when they cast Emma Stone, people were like, can she sing? Can she sing? Which was mm-hmm. crazy, because he cast her because he saw her in Cabaret. But anyway. <laughs> That's true. But, like, it wasn't, like... 
I never did I think in the movie like, oh, I wish they were better singers. I felt no. like it was no. so, it they it was just it was exactly what it needed to be. And it you was. never like you never think they need to be better singers, and you never think they need to be better dancers because mm-hmm. they're not Fred and Ginger. They're not trying to do Fred and Ginger. They're millennials who like watch those movies growing up or whatever, and like just get swept up in that feeling. Yeah. Um, like how dance and songs should be inspired in a musical. <laughs> but also, they're not supposed to be at the like echelon of their craft either. They're still like struggling artists. So mm-hmm. I like the grittiness and like the raw nature. And like in shooting it, Damien was like thrilled when there were like breaks in their voice or like they stu- yeah. they've stumbled over their feet a little bit because it made it more true to who these characters were in their lives at this moment and like it makes the performance so much special because every every take is like unique because it's yeah that one Mm -hmm. it feels very like character forward that it's about the the acting and the experience of the moment for the characters and not about performing a musical number but i Mm -hmm. also think that they're like genuinely trying and i think that's where again tom hooper like i think that people get too into that and then they try to like not even push people to to do it right what's good about it is that they're trying to do it exactly right but then we see the little cracks not that it's like oh throw it all out the window you know they (laughs) like hit the perfect balance yeah yeah um they the whole prius scene is so good um i feel like this it's this scene that really shows them like just how i hate her shoes i have to i hate her shoes (laughs) I just I love how they act. They act so naturally. Like their acting style is so grounded. It doesn't feel like you're watching actors. It my feels- yeah. my doctoral dissertation Ugh. is on the the chemistry between Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone because it is like it's not even steamy and sexy and hot. I just like you can you tell they love them so <laughs> yeah. hard. Yeah. And I yeah. Think because you like both they you you said something really wonderful which is they set up. <laughs> wow, Adam! Don't get used. To it. <laughs> um, uh, they set up their like you watch them bloom and blossom, mm-hmm. and that's what helps you fall in love with them. Mm-hmm. But they also do such a wonderful job setting up who they are individually before yes. they like start to become a thing. Those those scenes before Ryan Gosling uh, with his sister, yes, meets before he meets. Um, heats are in the piano bar like it's like yeah. i was like that tells me everything i need to know about seb like i literally know exactly who this man is before they like meet there are so many th- <sighs> there are so many things i love about this movie i can't even like i don't even know if i can distill it into a podcast to be quite honest <laughs> i would have to like go frame by frame through oh this my and god be like, here's what's great about this so we just give this man <laughs> two hours of time. And it's to not enough. My God. I can't enough. believe White you would ask me to contain myself <laughs> to merely this format of a I podcast. didn't even say that about God. West Side, which is so crazy. Anyway, oh, um, I there, here, I'll just say some quick things. So I love, again. Show, In the second one, <laughs> I love this. In sh- show versus tell. <laughs> Right, like you go to Mia's house and you see her with her like a part or her roommates or whatever, mm-hmm. and she has all these old Hollywood posters up. So without even expressing via words like who she is, it's like oh, she's in love with old hot. Like she, that's what she's enticed by. She still thinks it's like 1947, and she can get discovered sipping a malted milk at like the the diner down the street or whatever. Cute, great, and then you get um. Ryan with his sister or I shouldn't say Ryan I should say Seb that's the character name Seb with his sister and like 
explaining his whole backstory of like how he really wants to save jazz which we'll have to talk about but trying to save jazz and how important it is to him and immediately you're like oh these two people who just like one flipped the other the bird on the freeway which is such a funny bit that Mm -hmm. they start this movie with um it sets up the like bit of singing in the rain where he ends up in the car with her and they like have this little fight at the beginning of the by when they meet so that by the end, by the time they get to it, they're like in love and it like works. It tra- it tracks and maps so well. I'm so happy you got to see Singing in the Rain before we oh, It made this so much better. The sequence when they're walking through the Warner Brothers lot and they're walking by each different... movie being filmed, which is clearly a reference to Singing in the Rain because A, movies don't film on the Warner Brothers lot anymore, let me tell you that. <laughs> tell you but that. Also, they're B, in Atlanta, girl. <laughs> yeah, they're in Vancouver. Um, but also B, because... Um, it just like everything reinforces every idea that this movie has. I just like I think this movie is so good because <laughs> Damien Chazelle should have won best director for this movie. I have no qualms in saying that whatsoever because the entire time you watch this movie you were like, "Oh, this person just knows what this is supposed to be and I'm mm-hmm. just like giving into it." Yeah. Like, it, yeah. there's no It's so effortless in that so way. You can just enjoy it and it's watch not, it. Yeah. It's not like overindulged in like and it's yeah. not proud of itself it's just like especially I just really a movie about la like i know could just which go... was so funny because all the criticism was like la loves movies about la but like those movies don't really win oscars they get nominated but they don't really win so when everyone was like oh we can't give it to la la land because it's just la sucking its own dick it's like well yeah but we don't they don't make <laughs> this is this is a very different type of la movie this movie <laughs> makes fun of la while also like being about la like it's yeah. so aware of what it of what makes la so weird like she walks by that stupid mural of all the old hollywood actors in the movie theater sitting down (laughs) and they all look weird because it's like like not a great wall mural but it's like that's the camp of la that it's like trying to cling to this old thing that was just a facade to begin with because it's Mm -hmm. really just like an old west town on the coast and now it's like this i it's just fascinating la is like so interesting to me i would never live there it felt yeah i felt i think maybe we're all people who like don't want to move to la um and i felt like this movie told me about why people like it without Mm -hmm. trying to convince me that i should be one of them yes but also not looking down on the people who want to want to make that happen it's so loving to everybody involved Mm -hmm. like there's no I, I really genuinely it's not a cynical movie in any way and like some people may have qualms with that because they they think it's a little too saccharine and i i understand that i have i grew up in movie musicals so obviously i have no problem with saccharine sweet anything <laughs> yeah. um but i even don't think it's like too sweet of a film like the way it yeah. ends is so profound as well yeah right. we have to talk about um art and we have to talk about commerce Mm. and the art, meeting art, art, of art, the art, art. Molly, you're, um, you have, may have thoughts on art, seeing as how you have a doctorate in the idea of art. So, um, <laughs> this was a mind degree, the idea of art. <laughs> the idea of art, capital A, the platonic <laughs> ideal of art. Can I tell you quickly about my nephew reading me For Filth the other day? Oh, no. <laughs> I, we were talking about something related to, like, medicine, and I said, like, I think it's this, but I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. And then I said, like, well, I am, but, like, not that kind. And my nephew was, well, you're not anything yet because you don't have a job. <laughs> and you're taking him to Disneyland? 
it was really that he was like confused about that comment because he like doesn't know that people can be non-medicine doctors right yes, and so yeah. he was like trying to put it together so that was like his genuine like do you mean like you're not a doctor yet because like you didn't get the job yet as a doctor like he was saying it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. as like an actual question but it was it cut me to the core y'all well, thank you well, thank you for engaging in my in my joke as if i didn't understand what you're <laughs> i do think that's very funny let me explain why it's funny adam <laughs> was your was your brother and sister-in-law there and were they just like my sister-in-law was there, oh, and yeah, okay. there was sort of a, we sort of had a moment together. It was great. That's very funny. Um, kids are great. Kids are great. Love them. Um, what are, What was the question? Oh, do I have thoughts, thoughts on art? art thoughts comments? on art? Thoughts on art? Art thoughts, Molly? <laughs> thoughts about art and how to make money in art. I certainly don't have any advice for that. I mean, <laughs> I think actually, I was just going to say what you said earlier on this topic of. Uh, RJ, you were talking about like debriefing with your therapist and the pressure that like you have to somehow your art has to make money. Yeah, um, success. Yeah, yeah. I think that that is really a nice thing. I referenced this I think before we started recording that because I'm job hunting, I think that I am feeling a lot of that pressure right now of like, mm-hmm. am I worthless to society right now because I don't have a job yet? Um, and that's not true, and that's not a measure of whether or not I did something successfully. I've actually had yeah. this weird thing that I've been going through recently of like, I I almost feel like really embarrassed that I have a PhD, which is like not an emotion that I expected before defending it. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I, and I think it's coming from a place of like, but if I don't do anything with it, right. that like, then it'll be like embarrassing that I pursued something. But that's like not true. It doesn't take away from what I've accomplished thus far if I like don't use it in exactly the way that's expected or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I do think that it's, um, I think it's beautiful, the idea that they don't have to be successful, but then they are both successful. So yeah. it's really not like the movie's not about that. But yeah. um, I think that the idea that your pursuit of the stream has to be so absolute that it comes at the sacrifice of other things in your life like you know love and personal um fulfillment in that way is like very real and Mm -hmm. um i say that as a person who's like not sure that i want the partnership part of life because i like kind of at least right now i'm like not ready to give up on the idea that i like could move anywhere for a job and Mm -hmm. like i can pursue what i want to do and and not feel beholden to another person so i like i don't say it lightly like I, i don't say it as if to say like well obviously everyone needs to fall in love so like that's the right choice i don't necessarily think it is and i i appreciated the acknowledgement of that because i also think that like millennials <laughs> like other young people i think that that's something a lot of people have to face to some extent even if you're not an artist mm-hmm. right that like it's it's a more absolute um dedication and and like it's expected to bleed into more of your life if you're pursuing art but the idea that sometimes that partnership and family and and stability can be at odds with the idea of um having everything you want in like a professional um context is something that i'm guessing a lot of people could connect to and i'm I'm guessing that's one reason it was so successful everyone seems sort of um invested in movies about fame and interested in movies about fame even if they're not going to be famous or like pursuing anything that would make them famous Mm -hmm. but i wonder if people connected to the messages that were more broadly about like the conflict between your passion or career and um, a relationship of relationship. Yeah. 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 I mean, this movie, um, I think like is very smart in the way it engages. So I like that they do the opposite things at the same time. So she's working this Mm -hmm. barista job on the Warner brothers lot, which is like, could you imagine? 
Could you imagine? So she's working this barista job and she wants to write this play. And he's like, you should go write your play. You should do the thing you want to do. You should follow your dreams. So Wait, she... does she want to write a play or does he suggest it? I think he suggests it to her. She, well, she was saying uh, how she wanted to get into movies. She used to watch those movies and then would write little plays. Yeah. Back when she was little. So, yes, he does tell her to, like, so write So he does her, like, you should, yeah, you should try it. And then she was like, well, I have been thinking about, like, this, 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 yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so that happens. And I like that it's, like, she starts toward the dream, whereas, like, he overhears a conversation. I like that it's not, and this is important for the fight when we get to talk about the fight, but she, he overhears her talking to her mom and being, like, oh, he's figuring, well, he's figuring out. it out and blah, blah, blah. And, like, he starts to realize that like maybe his beholdence to doing the thing exactly the way he wanted to do it was not like the ideal way of like making Be- money to do the ultimate goal. But also like, because now he is in love. And so like, this has now also become a new like focus in his life of like, Oh, well, if this is something that she wants, or like, if this was really important to her for us to like stay together, then maybe there's, but- you know, yeah, I just we have to talk about the gender dynamic of him yeah. making all those inferences because yeah. I there was an article I read that sort of said something along the lines of like her pressuring him to take the job. She does. Like, I mean, it's great. I mean, there's the scene in the bedroom where she like brings it up twice where she's like, so what about this job that he's offering you or whatever? Yeah. So I guess that's the only thing that you could be like that the article could be referring to. But at no time is it like she's nagging on him to work. No. Where's your, yeah, I, get a job. Yeah. yeah. Th- definitely that doesn't happen. And I actually, I wanted to rewatch the scene of them in bed after he sees Keith to like try to remind myself of exactly what the lines are. But my <laughs> rental had expired and I wasn't going to spend another $4 just to rewatch that one scene. Um, but like, I feel like if if anything, she tries to get him to think about it because she cares about his dream of the club. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she knows that he needs money to open the club. But it's yeah. like not about providing for them Mm-mm. as a couple. Mm-mm. And he overhears her. And yeah, it's like a little awkward when she's defending him to her mom, but like we all have parents. All I'm have sure we that. know that's... that like you're yeah. doing the tap dance of like, I don't want to upset my parents with the way that I say it. And I don't want my partner yeah. who's going to overhear it to think. Right. And so like he, I feel like is projecting a lot onto this conversation mm. that he overhears to the extent that then she is like shocked at the sacrifices in terms of his art and his mm-hmm. like genre he wants to pursue when she sees the concert. But also I hate her in the concert scene her level of shock at the music that he is playing seems yeah. totally uncalled for because he looks happy in that scene yeah he like is like it looks like he's creating some like how he describes jazz or whatever like it looks like he's up there having fun creating it the takes him a while to he, like yeah. see that side but the the facial expression she has is as if he got up there and like sing a love song to a different girl than her yeah like yeah. like she has personally doing, been like, betrayed metal. yeah like all of a yeah. sudden he was rapping yeah like, <laughs> yeah, yeah and and like he had somehow he had like told her like i'm gonna <laughs> we're gonna go see my jazz concert and he just like comes out in kiss makeup or something but like <laughs> he is clearly doing something that is that has jazz influence. He right. seems to have made peace with it. You know what I mean? And and I do wish that maybe we got a little bit more of his his relationship between like the money he needs for the yes. club and the choice he makes because it feels like it becomes in the movie very about like 
providing for them as a mm-hmm. unit in a way that I, you know what I yeah, mean? Like, cause cause the mon- he needs money more than she does. Yes. I think that's, that's the thing. Like it is about these nuances because she is already assuming that she's on the same wavelength as he is where it's like, Oh, so you're getting this job. So that way you can get money for the club. Sure. And so that's, she knows like, okay, that's always the long game. But for him, it's like, well, I told her that she can quit her job and pursue writing this play. So now I have to be a breadwinner to like sustain for the relationship. And she, he assumes that that's like, yeah, that's what we've agreed upon where no agreement actually happened. It's just like, they, they're so like want to tell the other person like yeah go pursue your dreams but like in that pursuit just automatically makes that like contract of like you pursuing your dreams means i do this now and like yep i understand that's what i do it but then yeah when it comes to blows in the dinner scene where it's like oh i've been doing this because i thought that's what you wanted like it totally is effective because you don't even realize that until you see them realize. slowly get more realize. successful realize. in their paths that drift them apart that I'm like, oh yeah, I guess if they actually agreed upon it in the bedroom that one time, then it wouldn't be as big of a rift because they are doing it on terms that the other person knows. Yeah, you know? I think too, the, the thing I really like about this movie, and I think this is all like a really fascinating conversation, is that I really like this movie. We just want to keep that in mind. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, what I was gonna say is like- And that I only have uh, 30 minutes left to talk about it. <laughs> and we're eating into my time. Oh my God. <laughs> um, oh my God. No, what I was gonna say is like, this movie is in conversation with other films that are like it. So like most recently, obviously a star is born has similar themes to this film, Yeah. but a star is born is very different in that it is a movie where both people are musicians. So they're doing the same type of art and one is on his career trajectory forward. And one is on the like recession of their, like their career momentum. And that movie deals more in the conversation of, of jealousy and like whatever that is and i love that this movie it's like he isn't i shouldn't say he she when she goes to the concert and she sees him there is i don't i I should say this i do not get the feeling that she's like mad that he's like getting popular it doesn't feel like she's like upset that all these girls are like in like his music no. like i like that the movie is not about that it's more that mm-hmm. it's truly like distilled to they are concerned for each other's dreams and like their wants and goals they but just see, don't communicate it yes but, but i you, just think that you don't she's think it's so... not as bad like you don't think it's as bad as like I if all that... of a sudden he started doing like commercial jingles or something like that i think that she feels personally betrayed that he would do anything other than the purest version the purest of his version. dream and i think that it's i think that it's unhealthy that it seems like she feels like it's a personal slight somehow to to not allow your partner to make compromises on his own like do you know what i mean like it it feels like it's she's not respecting him as like a whole person that can make that decision for him but it's so weird though because i don't think she would feel that way unless it wasn't because it's him who like basically told her like jazz is pure jazz well, is that's magic why they, that's blah, why blah, blah, they blah, blah, have blah. to have they have to have the him explaining jazz sequence but more importantly that's why the that's why the chicken on the stick like joke quote unquote is so important to the storyline because he's it's just like an example of how stubborn he is that jazz has to be this exact thing and he isn't malleable like he has to be malleable when she gets to know him so that when he becomes malleable she's like 
she's more thrown off i think not that he's like doing it but more that like it came out of nowhere i mean i'm obviously giving her a lot of grace this character that doesn't exist and isn't a real person (laughs) um but um i i mean i i did it didn't bump me as hard as it bumped you i should say i just think that i think that the the whole dinner sequence well it is really amazing from like a writing and an acting standpoint Mm -hmm. it frustrates me on like a human level that it just feels like none of this has to be a fight like if if both of these people would like approach each other with like genuine curiosity and like a desire to understand the other's perspective rather than like here are these secret resentments i've been holding about how you're pursuing your dreams like yeah it feels like none of this has to be an argument because like it's ultimately both of their choices how they want to go about pursuing their art and i find it offensive that she is so like can convinced that she knows better than he does how he should be going about pursuing Mm -hmm. his dreams that's what i think i don't like about it i mean i totally agree with what you're saying i also think you are like a very intelligent rational person who knows how to communicate your thoughts and feelings (laughs) to people and more often than not, people don't know how to do that, especially in the arts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like the uh, amount of times I was screamed at as like an eighth grader in a musical because it was dress rehearsal and they were like, I'm tired of you. Like, it's wild. People don't know yeah. how to control their emotions. Um, when it's a, yeah. when it's a, when your when your work is that you have to control your emotions on a whim. Yeah. Sure. Around yeah. Children. Yeah, but I agree. But also that like that trick that that dinner scene is just like it definitely it was like, oh, yep, I've definitely had this conversation before, like in many forms. I feel like I also like who who would you like to tell us about yeah. your relationship <laughs> with who RJ in, in forms piece bits and pieces bits and of pieces. it. Bits sure, and sure, pieces. Sure. Um, I like <laughs> I really like that this scene. Well, first, you like this movie. So let, First of all, just... we have to say, I don't know if it's been said yet. I do like this movie. Um, but I like the, I really like the dinner sequence in that it starts, again, the journey that the scene itself takes us on from being like, he yeah. made her dinner and it's so sweet and he came back for a night and da da da. And he like, like the... flo- he flows in. He flew in from <laughs> like a tour in. stop. <laughs> yeah. yes. He flew he right in from a tour <laughs> stop. So it's like, you're like being set up for like oh they're long distance and they're struggling and whatever and then he's there and he made her dinner so you're like way up on the high again of like oh my god i love this couple they're so awesome and then by the end of the scene they're like screaming at each other and the arc it does is amazing it's i mean it's like true masterful screenwriting like truly i just writing in general it doesn't even it could be a play it could be and that's what great is so nice about the scene too is they could throw it in throw it on a stage and it's like Mm -hmm. still perfect as is um I I I like I I like that their argument through most of it I think up until his last remark where he's like says the comment about her being an actress and that's where you get the like he looks judgment he gets he looks a little like... down on her because she has like an an interest that he is not as interested in yeah um can you I'm so sorry remind me of actually what the line is he <laughs> says maybe you just liked me better when I was on my ass because it made you feel better about yourself oh that was heavy last five years vibes i actually kind of loved it for that reason (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's so yeah it's the thing you do in a fight where you're like no as it's coming out of your mouth you're like i should not say this it's a cool thing to say but is there not truth to it 
No, there is. That's why it's like yeah. so brilliant. That's why yeah. every moment of this movie feels so true to these characters because you don't disbelieve anything that's happening even when they're flying around a planetarium, for God's <laughs> sakes. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think the, the conversation that this movie has with like following your dreams and this fight then leading to the last sequence of this film where... In reality, they are they have done the success that they wanted for themselves. He mm-hmm. opened the club like he wanted to do, which was yep. apparently Ryan Gosling's idea. It wasn't the, in the original script. The original script, he was just going to be like a successful musician. So oh. his his thing was he so he opened hmm. the club. She became like a successful actress. She's doing the movie. I think like, I liked it better that there's a cl- that there's like an actual. It makes sense for this character. There's like a little obsessive over it, where it's like that is that restaurant being a tapas restaurant is the symbol that this art is dying and I need to save it. Like, well, you know, and like, it makes sense for his character because he wants to, like, keep it keep alive. It and the only way to do it is not to just do art, but, like, create a space, space in yeah. which you can, like, help it foster is, it. Yeah, but it is interesting because... So if if we had gone with the original ending, then it would be a movie about one person achieving the dream as they imagined it and then the other person actually changing their dream. Mm-hmm. Um and we get just a taste of that because he makes the club named Sebs, which was her suggestion instead mm-hmm. of the chicken on a stick thing. <laughs> so we see that he he did take in like a little bit of of suggestion, right? He like mm-hmm. he like bent just a, a tad. Um, but I I would centrism also... wins again. <laughs> Great. Yeah, um, being in the middle of every issue is is always the right um, position to take. Uh, I do think that. It would be cool though to have a movie that's that's about people compromising their dreams and finding happiness in that yeah. too. But that's totally. so. This is what I was to say: is I love in the dream sequence of them seeing the future that didn't happen, but they're she envisions, he envisions, they envision together. We don't really know; it's not very clear. But in this dream sequence, they aren't as successful. Like she's an actress, but she's not like the star of the next hit movie with her face on the side of a board. She's just like a working actress doing her job. He is like a working musician, so they're both doing what they're like passionate about. Their house is and, a little bit more humble, yeah. You know, they don't live as lavishly, but they're still happy together. And yeah. I think that is what makes that ending so poignant. Is like there are multiple trajectories in your life, and there's not only one that works. Mm. And I think that's the hope that this movie has. That really like to go back way to the beginning, like feels like that like optimism of the like Obama years. Of like, and I, I'm so sorry to do God, this again. Obama I'm really sorry, but like, <laughs> let oh. this man rest. My God, there's not a single. Let him make his Nat Geo documentary. My God, there is all of his hair and his head is gray. Let this man rest. I just, and I, it's, not, it's not a comment on Obama or anything. It's just like a very specific feeling that like the country had for yeah. eight years, and we just like it's we have reversed against it now yeah. at this point. Yeah, and it's just fascinating. I actually, do you know what? You have out-textual reading to me because I, when I was watching the ballet sequence, was like, so it's just about, like, she gets to still be successful, but they also stay together. I was like, why are all her dreams still coming true in this? Mm. But I missed a lot of those little subtle cues that she, like, is successful, but not to the same degree that she is in, you know, the real timeline. I definitely agreed with you in the first watch. I think in this second watch, that's when we noticed, oh, yeah, the house is smaller. Well, the first watch, I cried for the last 30 minutes. He literally cried this entire sequence. I took it in in the way that I was like, this is beauty, but I couldn't, I couldn't. 
contain myself. This is why I haven't watched it in so long because I was so nervous that I was going to have the exact same reaction and mm. not be able to like control myself. I was fine. I cried a you little bit fine. last night, but I was fine. Yeah, like it, there was just a little bit more of those subtleties that we noticed because like even even when I made the joke of like, oh, even their babysitter is attractive in the real version and then in the imagined dream version, it's like an older person because it p- could presumably be like, I don't know, someone's the th- like a relative or something because the house like looks more like just like a normal like suburban house. But you also have to see that in the reality as well, they also are happy. So she's happy yeah. with her husband. Yeah. She yeah. loves her ch- child. Yeah. Like there's not a note of like, oh, they're well, on the rocks or anything. She, there's nothing like She that. loves her husband, but it's interesting that they sit next to each other in the club and then we see the fantasy version with Ryan Gosling. And they're like holding She's like other. sitting yeah. kind of on him, right? Yeah. That like one of them has to be like a compromised version of happiness and then right. one is like the passionate happiness and so she kind of switched one for the other but i don't think that means she's unhappy yeah right yeah i think yeah. it's also something that like as you get older is like more clear of like when you are young and you're like still developing and all your hormones are like the top 10 most exciting thing that happened that day <laughs> where everything's always like top 10 hormones top 10 hormones <laughs> and we're gonna rank them here today on the pod <laughs> Um, testosterone. <laughs> um, no, but like there, it's everything is like heightened, mm-hmm. and like as you get older, that's kind of like the most fascinating part of like learning how to like be an adult is not just like how to pay the bills and your taxes, but it's like actually realizing that like not that that you can get fulfillment from like. From not exerting 100% From, like, going out and, like, taking a walk around the park and, like, not listening to anything and just, like, being... Like, it's just, like, little things like that that I think is, like, so... It's As as I get older, those are the things that I'm, like, fascinated by. We're so boring. (laughs) We're so boring. We're so boring. Couldn't be more boring. Six years ago, I watched this for the first time. (laughs) I did not have these thoughts. Um, uh, Yeah, I love the ending of this film. Um, and I love how everything ties together. I love. I also l- have to talk about the audition at some point. I I love that they just fully took the form of the dream ballet and just went full like Art showing piece. showing different forms that we haven't seen in the movie yet, but not so outside of the box that you were like, "Whoa, this came out of nowhere." It's like, no, this was fully like uh, believable that like this is kind of how they imagine it from like the silhouettes. To like obviously like the very like Wizard of Oz flats in like a soundstage, and then like uh, them watching the reel of their and like, then the yeah watching like an happening. old like yeah like an old like a uh, video very like Wonder Years almost like it was just like it's just picking up all of the things that they love about yeah. you know yeah and look I'm not a lover of dream ballets but it is used so well here it so is well contributing to the plot rather than like reflecting back on it or just not a recap not an recapping (laughs) i don't know why we needed recap ballet but the fact that it is used for this specific purpose of like exploring the other version of events and and that we couldn't have the movie without it, right? Like, yeah. we couldn't have the ending that we have you without that dream ballet. I almost Molly, didn't. Molly basically did. I swear. And when and when it went back to the club and the moment of her looking at him, mm-hmm. sorry, there's like too many clubs. This is going to be the It goes back to the moment that she saw him playing in a restaurant. In the restaurant. Yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. And to, because she tries to sort of say, like, hey, your, your playing's beautiful. And he brushes her off in mm-hmm. um, reality. So we cut back to that restaurant and her seeing him there. And, I turned off my iPad and I was like, if this movie 
is like that was all a all fantasy in, in her head about what their lives could have been like do you know what i mean like yeah, like yeah. oh none of this happened it's all just her thinking about it as she's watching this guy play piano i was like i will not do this podcast anymore i will quit <laughs> but that's done. the crazy part I was because like, i don't think so it's but the it's exactly that yeah it's exactly where you stop so it literally could have been like i yeah they could have gone either way <laughs> yeah <laughs> so funny um i do want to talk about her audition song mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. here's to the dreamers who dream aren't they gas um <laughs> Everybody dream, <laughs> dream, dream, dream. Um, and I really so this song was nominated. This and uh, City, of, City Stars. of Stars were nominated for Best Picture, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Best Song. Um, uh, we are I, just messing up the us the awards, just like I they know, did. Just like they, it's did. cursed. I really wanted the audition song to win because I think it's a stronger song overall yeah i understand why the academy chose city of stars because it's the academy um Mm -hmm. but i think audition is a better song um let's play a little bit of it and then we can talk about it she captured a feeling sky with no ceiling the sunset inside a frame she lived in her liquor died with a flicker I'll always remember the flame Here's to the ones who dream Foolish as they may seem Here's to the hearts that ache Here's to the mess to see who knows where it will lead us and that's why they need us so bring on the rebels the ripples from pebbles the painters and poets and plays and here's to the fools who dream crazy Audition, audition, so <laughs> and that's all I really wanted to say. Uh, <laughs> audition, audition. Um, I I love that this is the thematic, like, change of the film. Almost like she she's the first one to kind of get what she wants, and also explain like why dreaming is important and like. It's kind of like what the whole movie hinges on, is, which mm-hmm. is funny to me. Um, it's not City of Stars. Uh, that's not the thematic motif of the film. That's just the musical motif. It's very Academy to think like the song about L.A. is, is the, the one. Is the one play. because it's that's the theme of the movie. It's, it's the theme of the movie. We love L.A. Hollywood. Um, it's actually <laughs> jazz. Um, anyway, uh, I, 
I just really like this song. I really love her performance in the song. Um, I don't have really specific notes about the song, so I don't really know why I wanted to talk about it. You just wanted it to play. play Yeah. Yeah. I think that this song is the one that watching it, I was like, I think this might be the thing that the backlash to the movie hinged on Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it is a, it is a song about like actually there's something admirable about this pursuit of the dream. And I see why that could feel saccharine and feel feel yeah. over the top and feel self-congratulatory mm-hmm. but i think that taking off all the pressure of like should this be the best picture should it whatever yeah. i really loved it because i loved that she doesn't want to go into the audition because she talks about how it's going to break her to, to not mm-hmm. get it and the thing that she realizes in the audition is that there was something beautiful in her pursuit of the dream even if she doesn't get the role yeah and it's it's actually funny because one of those things you know like you pick up movies through cultural osmosis and one of the things that i thought that i had heard was that she was actually not a good actress and so i thought she wasn't going to get the part like that's where i thought this was all going yeah that it was just another one yeah my quite a misunderstanding of what the movie was about. Um, and I don't know now if I didn't hear that right or if people are just haters because like nothing in the text of this movie says that unless people are just trying to read Emma Stone. Nothing I know in the text that's of this the movie thing. tells me she's all a bad actress. The, all of her auditions, even though those are terrible material, I was like, she is acting uh, like she is fully acting. And like, what these. do you expect from somebody out of like one line in it? You know what I mean? Like yes, exactly. people are judgmental. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that that person's had, you know, an amazing career and that that's why they, they said it. Um, yeah, screw you. But also she's kind of doing... <laughs> Like she's auditioning. It's like the 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 best one is when she's the like teacher. the teacher, and she goes, "No, Jamal, you be tripping." I mean, that's like so funny, so funny. Also, it's so funny. It's so funny. It's so good that she's like chasing the perp. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny, but it's also like, yeah, you're not getting good material. Like you're working with like nothing like yeah. what are you supposed to audition with for like bit parts like yeah there's there's nothing that tells us whether on. she's good yeah. until mm-hmm. the end really mm-hmm. anyway i love the idea that dramatically what happens in that room is that she realizes that her pursuit of the dream was worth it whether she gets the role or not mm-hmm. i do think that what i also find to be a flaw of sebs is that um and this is again like I think intentional but he's like he's so delusional about like her chances too mm-hmm. that i was like really annoyed with him in the scene after where he's like you're gonna get it and yeah. i was like okay but she like really might not like really yeah. a very good chance she yeah. won't and like i would find that really obnoxious in mm-hmm. a partner if i was trying to be like let me process my feelings about this and they were like well simply good things will happen so you don't need to worry about it i'd be like that's not true so like yeah. not helpful um so and statistically i have a lot to show you that it's not true. yes the track record is not good yeah <laughs> i think... i wish so, sorry i i think i yeah, just ahead, i man. wish maybe in that then follow-up scene there had been a little bit more of her saying like defending for... herself a little bit more of like it's okay like yeah you? and like thanks for convincing me to come back in because i don't know though i wouldn't like yeah. if she like articulated here's what i learned in the course of the song like yeah. let me say it yeah yeah as well in text because i i only sang it before but um i don't know yeah there is a little bit of like yes obviously you want your partner to be a cheerleader and i think like that seb does a great job of that but yeah mm-hmm. there is that sense of like he doesn't understand the exact experience that Mia is going through. And even if you yeah. tried to explain it, he won't ever understand. Right. Uh, it's a little bit wife guy. Am I right, Ned Fulmer? 
Oh, well, now we're transitioning. Now, see, <laughs> now, see, this is what you get when we record like two live. weeks. When we record closer uh-huh, to uh-huh. episode drop. Live on Saturday night see? at Showgaze, a movie musical podcast. Yeah, we know. Our all... moms are so confused right now. <laughs> oh, my God. I have no idea what's going on. Just skip forward 30 seconds. Just skip forward. Just Google it. I don't Or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, and what I, the thing about like the whole audition thing being a little saccharine, I think even when I, I remember when I first watched it was the idea that like the audition or the, the, the gig that may finally like get her is the one that's like the most theater, obviously the most like don't act just tell us a story and it's like yeah. at the time i was like how often does this actually of happen in not. hollywood like is this actually oh, real let us like- say quickly doing a one woman show never a good idea <laughs> never the right call never the way that you're going to advance your career i, I mean definitely is there anything not in you la definitely not less in LA. like to go to than somebody who's like i've been struggling with my acting career so i decided to so do to a do whole a one woman show there's nothing i would <laughs> less like to see and a casting director sitting through an entire one woman show just to like check it out Good I liked that a lot of this movie felt realistic and it felt like a good balance between like the heightened romanticism mm-hmm. and fantasy and like what it would really be like to be in LA. But the idea that a casting director came to that show, absolutely ridiculous. I know, when I, you but, literally... But count- is, I like that we don't see any of the one-woman show because then in in my head, I get to imagine that she is like incredible or whatever or she there's something there but why would that, you invest the time as a casting director to go see this one woman show dragged her. like it doesn't it doesn't like i can't I, believe it because i didn't see it like that's all it's the very greek theater thing for me like, it was always sure. like medea killed her kids off stage i don't know for me it was always like because the project specifically is they're like looking for actresses who can tell a story i can imagine in my mind that like okay go to these one go look for one woman okay. shows go I look for storytelling shows and i think that we're also supposed to understand it's not like a big movie right it's like they have oh, yeah. funding to do this whole big project but it's like they're and also kind of indie kind of yes yeah, I don't think yeah. It's yeah. so it's it's kind of the i mean i'm not even saying blockbuster i'm saying like maybe not even studio backed right so it's sure. like this is just the thing that gets her the thing That's that gets her the thing yeah. that gets her thing right yeah. so then i guess yes i guess i just sort of wish that they had had it be like a little bit better attended so that it was it like was more believable yeah i don't know i mean but then i guess i was gonna say it would be it would be nice if it was like not that it'd be like a huge showing but like she got an okay audience but he wasn't there but then i guess i wouldn't like that because then it would be like oh i quit acting because my boyfriend didn't come which yeah. that would be yeah. dumb so yeah. i guess i do like that it's so sparsely attended i did you I, like I the two did you like the two the two punch of that plus he her her hearing like people talk about like people dudes talk about talking it. about it on the, the way wall. out and then her him not showing up. Well, I mean that was always there, but um, yeah, I do like it because I guess that that makes it about I needed you here because I did this really vulnerable thing, and I needed Ugh. that buffer of that person yeah. who would have said nice things to me about it, even even when it was not well received. Yeah. His sister's and that, in the I think, audience is His the most important went. thing. Yeah, his sister's yeah. in the audience, which is crazy. His, I her I love. I love that like no practically nobody's there and that he doesn't show up because I think there is a world in which he did come that she she felt okay enough to keep going but it's the like double whammy for her that like yeah. she doesn't you, feel like she has any support because you have like, to fully give up on it yeah I think I think in cities like LA in bigger cities where a lot of people come it's more of a transient place if you don't find like a group of friends and it's very hard to do like as an adult after like you're in a, a, school, a school environment where you're like, I wouldn't to be know. I people. have a lot of friends. So yeah, the whales. 
The whales, the dolphins. Yeah, yeah. The penguins the playing penguin. the band. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the dancing penguins. I, I like, I mean, like, her roommates don't come. They don't no, come. No, they were to... there. The three girls. Yeah, I thought were that they? they were. There were the three on the right and then the sister on the left. Oh, I didn't yeah. notice them because I then only, the I only noticed. the casting director in the back. And yeah. then, yeah. And then the casting, the casting director in the back. Um, Secretly. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I, I loved her. I loved how she reacted to him of just like things are literally just coming out like I can't pay for this theater. And then that's just the scare. That's the part of like that's the part of art that's like, yeah, if I I like you put money into it and then you get yeah. nothing yeah. out of it. It's like I'm drown. You start to feel like you're drowning. And then like the full decision of like I'm done and not even have to explain what what that means. It's yeah. like, no, I'm just done. I'm going home. I'm going home home. Oh, um, I love another thing about this movie that I love, um, because I do like this movie, to be clear. Um, I love that this movie starts with him honking at her, and then his bit is that he, like, honks outside, and then he does it one final time when he, like, picks her up, yeah. or, like, and tells her about that. that he's like, I found you because it was the house across the, the house library. Over, yeah, I when know. she was like, how'd you find me? House across the library? Like, it's so easy, like, I obviously I know, I know, because I listened to you. And it makes the honking make all the more sense why they made that part of his character because because at first I was sort of like that seems like a little disrespectful for like how this guy <laughs> is in general. Just keep but the it. but the fact that that's his thing and then because he knows it's one of the houses across from the library, right? So he yeah. has to do something like big and loud. Yeah, it's great. It's so Hollywood it's magic, a, baby. Yeah. Um, or the or like even the like little things. There's so many little moments in this movie of just them engaging with each other mm-hmm. where like. Like one of them is like when he goes to pick her up the next morning, he shows up a couple minutes late and he she's not there. So he's about to leave. And then she she tries to grab the door and he like is like, oh, and then she's like, I just got us coffee. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) It's just like they're so good together. And they've already done two movies before this. So like they already had built in chemistry. But it's just like it's like it must be like what watching Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks in like You've Got Mail must have felt like in 1997. Like it would have been or like now you could just watch the movie now. <laughs> well, just like when people moment, first saw yeah, it and they're like, oh, they already it's already there. Yeah. Yeah. What's they were in Crazy Stupid Love. And what, what's the other thing they were in? They did. Ga- what is it called? Gangster Squad. <laughs> Gangster Squad. Something I think like that. It's not okay. like it was a new movie, it was but... one of those noir movies. Yeah. Things. Crazy yeah. Stupid Love is good, though, if you if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there's so many moments like that in this movie of just them being like, they work, they work well. That's like why it's like so good and so. I mean, sad the whole sequence out. of her and the her watching him in the '80s party and like her being like, "Play Iran," and then just fully Damn. mocking her, knowing that he recognized her, and she's just like, "Great, I can fully." fully relish in this situation and it's so funny i i will say that i don't know 80s culture enough to like i didn't understand until the scene after i was like so is that like a good or a bad thing for her to request (laughs) like i didn't really get what was happening i think just the idea of like it's that song is truly the farthest away from his jazz moment so i think it's more just like take that but also like you you watch the scene and you're like oh emma stone literally had a grip on like teen comedies before this point because she does this so well like it, it is yeah, just it like, is like a funny moment of like <sighs> it's almost like there's like here's one scene of emma stone as you're used to seeing her yes mm-hmm. now she's not doing that for the no, rest of the movie she's not yeah. gonna do this for the rest of the movie yeah uh, it's so good i love it when when they people she do, is when they do that she like, is emma stone is undoubtedly if we're playing the game of star or actress she is both star and actress mm, yeah wow. 
Um, high praise. High praise. High praise. High praise. Um, any final thoughts? Are there any songs we need to listen to? I should, I'm going to probably just play the entire planetarium dance sequence on a loop in the background of the whole episode. <laughs> um, I remembered Adam, when we first watched this movie and that when okay. all of a sudden they started floating, it was Bye. like Adam started, gone. like he literally was like, oh, 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 like in the movie audibly and like shook. And yeah, it was, it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. Cause I, I mean like that was, I mean, every, everything before that, was like more grounded in realism. Like obviously yeah. there was like the party sequence and the dancing, but like this this was the first time we're like, oh, this is how you're explaining how they're like gonna fall in love. And it's just like Speaking of realism though, did Ugh. they break into the Griffith Observatory? Like how are they there with no one else? Is that know. so I've never seen Rebel Without a Cause, but is that what happens there? And so was was this just a full like let's just do the let's just make the movie, you know, because they couldn't watch it? I mean, they, they, they recreate the shot of them pulling Going up to in, the observatory yeah. from Rebel Without a Cause that they just watched in the movie theater. Okay, gotcha. Um, I, in the second watch, I interpreted it as like, no, it's probably just open, and, but we're just seeing it in their lens where it's like, Molly, no one is here but them. It's mm, lighting. told us that. This movie oh. is so good at changing the lighting to be like, and now it's, it's now a thing that's happening. And I looked at Arjun and I was like, it, is, it has to be lighting. It's lighting. When you it, go into a song, you go into a dance number, you go into a moment that, like, we're leaving reality as we know it. You yeah. have to do it with lighting. Period. 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 All right. Well, well we've established he's broken, the rules. He's, he's cracked into the safe that is Merm, and he has <laughs> figured out the key. Um, do we have I anything to say, say on uh, jazz oh. and the white savior oh. complex? Well, before we do that, just quickly, I also love when they, in the ballet sequence, they're dancing and then it's the just black and the stars and it was very Fred and Ginger. It was beautiful. Yes. Jazz. Ja um, jazz. To jazz. Uh, Molly, do you like jazz? Or was I do it... like jazz. Okay. I was like, or is jazz part of the the big uh, Oh, no, no, no. Jazz rift. is pre the, the riff. Pre riff. Uh, <laughs> okay. um, I... my, my mom is the one that doesn't like jazz. Oh. Yeah. It's too beat Nikki for her. Yeah. I would not... I probably would not like going. Our deal is we do jazz and you like will not be talking over the songs. Like I do kind of like jazz as like a background genre yes. or as a genre that's pulled from to do musical theater songs. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I wouldn't say I'm like a hardcore jazz person, but I, I would say that I like jazz on the whole. I did read a couple things for this um podcast and one of them was about like its representation of jazz and i thought about reading it and then i didn't and so i'm feeling not super prepared for the conversation on it other than i know that there was criticism of the movie at the time because it's a white guy who's the musician the jazz musician um and that the movie didn't really acknowledge jazz's heritage is specifically a black american art form yeah, I mean that's yeah. that's pretty much the ju the gist of it. Um, I, while I was doing my research, the gist today, of the jazz, the gist of the, the jazz, jazz. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the jazz. Um, I noticed that people were people had similar complaints about Whiplash because it also deals mm. in jazz, but I think because fewer people, it deals pe in jazz. It deals in jazz. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I only deal in jazz. <laughs> Do you take Amex? No, I take jazz. I only take jazz. Oh my god. Um so I think similar complaints were levied at Whiplash, but because not it wasn't as big of a film, um, it kind of didn't get the the megaphone that 
it ended up with La La Land, which yeah. was like a real contender. It for became that. Yeah, it be- that became the conversation. And I think that there are obviously valid critiques. And again, I like this movie too much. So I probably can't. I shouldn't be the one to discuss them because I don't want to feel I don't want anyone to think that I'm um, calling their bluff or saying it's in- untrue. But it, mm-hmm. it at this point, looking back on it, it feels to me similarly to when we discussed the um, colorism debate of uh, In the Heights, of something Mm -hmm. that I think was a flashpoint in the moment and is an act of criticism, but I think got overblown, much like the hype for the movie uh, of both degrees was like overblown. Um, So I do think there obviously is like a problem in the fact that like the main character is this white guy who like is convinced I don't know if that's really supported textually, to be honest, but like his idea is that he is able to save, he's going to save jazz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And by being able to complete his dream, he kind of does save jazz, quote unquote. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think, <laughs> I think that's really all I can say about it. It's hard because the movie does a really good job of obviously like honoring jazz, giving jazz like, this is why it's important. This is why it's a beautiful art form. With or without the, you know, the jazz planning scene that she does, and even to the extent like the the jazz planning that um, uh, that uh, John Legend gives about like this is his version of saving jazz is by like mm-hmm. you know making it, it, making it, um, making it like revolutionary by like which I thought was like a really compelling argument from that yeah, character because yeah. he, he he's like I know what you think of like those guys that you love so much are revolutionaries. And like, that's what we're trying to do. You've mm-hmm. become a traditionalist because you love them so much that also, you want to their song slaps. I, I know. Love so it. We can start a fight. Let's hear, let's hear yes. a little bit of that song. Let's do it. We can start a fight. Bigger, like obviously when you pull back where it's like okay but you can't have an appreciation of this art form without being able to like respect where it came from okay sure yes yes that's valid but like it's it's that is that then the bigger problem that like we can't dive into and tell like a point of view of that without having to tell the entire story or is that like how we kind of equate to like stories about other people of color of like it can't this one thing about jazz can't be the movie to explain everything about jazz and i i think also there is i feel like there's like character and story like justification that he is white because obviously everyone that he interacts with in the jazz music industry is black and they kind of are all poking and winking and making fun of him throughout and it's like you are on this crusade to like save us. Okay, you do you. Like, let mm-hmm. us know when the club is open so we can play. Like, there's there's like a a bit of like winking feeling, uh, like people we know, and then 
that stubbornness because he doesn't understand like kind of like yeah like what that plight is or whatever becomes part of his character that he is a stubborn person that, yeah no. so I, I guess i guess the place where i think the criticism might be overblown is that to me the story is about jazz as how it informs his character and not about jazz as a genre yeah right i don't feel like this is a movie about jazz, jazz and yeah. saving it it's about like can this one guy find the appropriate amount of flexibility where he like maintains what's important to him but also like does listen to other people's perspectives yeah, yeah. but i do think that where i find it the criticism compelling is it's making me think about i took a like an ethnomusicology class which is you know like the Cool. Kind of like the context around music, right? Yeah. Um, the culture and stuff around it. And I remember that there was a guy in that class with me who was a white jazz musician. And he talked a lot about his discomfort about being a white jazz musician and like awareness of that fact. Mm -hmm. And I, as a person who's not particularly into jazz, don't have the same like visceral reaction to the idea of a white person playing jazz, right? The way that if someone was in that class with me and was like, hey, I'm a rapper and he was a white guy, I'd be like, that's a bit. Yeah, okay. you know, like I would mm -hmm. have that like gut feeling and I just yeah. don't get that gut feeling with jazz. And so I think the fact that jazz is specifically a black art form, I think kind of has been lost over time. Yeah. So I can see the argument for it's messed up that people don't even feel any sort of way about the fact that he's a white jazz musician because we mm -hmm. have actually forgotten that fact and that yeah. we should do more to make sure that we don't forget that fact. But I think... I think that goes back into the larger point that the movie or at least Seb's character is making is that like jazz is literally dying on the vine. Like it's yeah. like it's people say it's time has passed. I mean, that was like the point of focus features trying to turn the, it being a jazz situation into rock so that it's more palatable to audiences because with rock, you probably don't need a whole scene in which a person explains rock to, for people to understand. Yeah. And like, while the scene of him explaining jazz is annoying, it's also like it's the scene of like Remy in Ratatouille eating the grape and the or like explaining cheese. to a meal when he eats the grape and the cheese at the same time. Like this is what's so exciting about it. Like it's the thing of like passionate people being passionate about what they're passionate. It's about. like That's when like, Adam talks about urban planning and it's just like when I talk about Denmark's incredible use of urban planning. It's just like it. And that's what the movie should have been about. He, <laughs> he should have been, been an, an urban, urban planner. planner. <laughs> that was truly, that was the best um, time of, of Zoom freezing on me because I like got like something about Remy in Ratatouille and then it just cut to Denmark's use of urban planner. <laughs> this is how, this is what's life like in, in this house. Yeah. And honestly, in this podcast. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just thought. I think. I think. I, I think everything you're saying is right, but I just want to make sure that we're like super clear for the audience because as I was listening to you, I had to like kind of follow your train of thought there. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that the fact that I don't have that visceral reaction is a reflection of the fact that the history of jazz has been dying. We don't know that information anymore. You're not saying, well, it's dying. So like everyone, they should be Correct. grateful yes. to take whoever they can get. No, yeah. I know absolutely. that's not what you intended, but I realized it could be interpreted that way. Yeah, I just sure. want to make sure everyone oh, understands. And even that, like yeah. relating to how the movie was made, that even that was the issue of like, Will it really make an impact if it's jazz? Yeah. yeah. Um, I just thought it was, I, I mean, I, I think it was like the biggest thing that we needed to talk about in terms of like the quote unquote politics of the movie. So I wanted but to I, sure Yeah, I think we would space to that. be uh, disrespectful and it would, it would be a gaping hole in our coverage if we didn't talk about it. Yeah. Well, RJ's the gaping hole in our coverage, so. <sighs> oh, God. There is a child in 
where she's recording. Okay, so we got to keep this G. <laughs> yep, I'm going to play every podcast we record here out loud for my nephews. I, I probably should have told you that ahead <laughs> no, of time. Yeah. Oh, I didn't let you know. <laughs> So this movie has a 91% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Richard Lawson at Vanity Fair says, Speaking of the Oscars, though the direction and design are fabulous, I think the film's biggest asset is Miss Stone, who gives a performance of such natural intelligence and warmth that I'd have to imagine she'll be a very strong awards contender this year. She's got the musical comedy Golden Globe already in the bag at this point. But besides that cynical odds forecasting, this is simply a huge performance for Stone, who has always had an abundance of appeal, but has had trouble of late finding a role and a film worthy of her abilities. She certainly found it in Chazelle's movie, giving a star turn of the highest magnitude, while singing convincingly and dancing even. It feels like she's arrived all over again. Gosling is certainly good too, but his performance is a bit more familiar, and his singing is not up to Stone's level. Still, he and his glowing co-star once again have a witty winning chemistry. All true, all wonderful. Molly doesn't know. agree. I feel like their voices were equal. I didn't yeah. think one was better than the I other. Didn't, I think I, she has I a lot more all... to do vocally. I think obviously she did more, so yeah. Yeah, but I, there was no sense of like an uneven mismatch. I mean, maybe I see his point in terms of like, we kind of know Gosling like a little bit as a song and dance man, so it's not as surprising from him. But mm-hmm. um, gosh, he just like really... He Gene Kelly'd his way right into my heart in this movie, so I really <laughs> enjoyed his performance. Um, and I also am thinking about the fact that, like, what has Emma Stone done after this? Uh, the favorite. The favorite was the big one, but there okay. was, I feel like there was another one. It feels a little bit he, like I think she Birdman and was after, it. was after this, or was Birdman before? I feel like Birdman, Birdman was before. Birdman was before. Mm. I think it was 2013. I just think that this is like Hollywood's. Um, thing of like they give an actress to some or actress they give an oscar to an actress actress. she's like on the way up and they're like but like now we've seen too much of you and we're sick of you yes you know you need to cool it yeah and it's only happens to the women yep (laughs) i mean i do think it's crazy that i don't think a man has ever won a best actor i don't think there's ever been a man who won a uh an acting oscar for a musical and yet women are almost always nominated for an, for a musical. Anytime there's like a really good awards musical that happens, it's like oh the lead think, woman has been nominated. I think the cl- the last one that I can remember was Eddie Murphy in Dreamgirls. Um she and- obviously did Cruella, which we all, all forgot about. <laughs> oh yeah. And then obviously okay. obviously um Tony Tony Gray, Battle of the Sexes. Battle of was the right Sexes. After. Okay. That was like the yeah. big one and I don't think she did she get nominated? I think she did. So maybe that was her. It became more of like a have a dramatic career movie, and then it was like not a huge success, and so she kind of went back to more comedy drama type things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, don't forget about the Crudes, <laughs> everybody's favorite animated film. Todd McCarthy from the Hollywood Reporter said, "At all the same, for Chazelle to be able to pull this off the way he has is something close to remarkable. The director's feel for a classic, but for all intents and purposes, discarded genre format is distinctive and intense. He really knows how to stage and frame dance and lyrical movement, to transition smoothly from conventional to musical scenes, to turn naturalistic settings into alluring fantasy backdrops for set pieces, and to breathe new life into what many would consider cobwebbed cliches. Great. Hmm. Right on the money. Todd. Uh, but finally, Owen Gleiberman at Variety says, as their fortunes start to seesaw, the film acquires some of the stormy turbulence of A Star is Born, as well as glimmers of the doubt and disconnection of the umbrellas of Cherbourg, which is one of the French films that 
uh, Damien was inspired by. Gotcha. All of which can feel just a bit discordant. Chazelle wants to make a musical that celebrates the classic Hollywood vision of love as spiritual perfection, but he also wants to make an age of alienation love story that undercuts the old simplicities. He has the right to do both. That's what's that's what Moulin Rouge did. But if Chazelle sticks to the bittersweet truth of the story he's telling, there's a part of you that wants to see him shoot the works to make good on that opening sequence by topping it. La La Land isn't a masterpiece, and on some level it wants to be. Yet, it's an elating ramble of a movie, ardent and full of feeling, passionate, but also exquisitely controlled. It winds up swimming in melancholy, yet its most convincing pleasures are the moments when it lifts the audience into a state of old movie exultation, leading us to think, what a glorious feeling, I'm happy again. Hmm. I'm, I'm not sure if he likes the movie or not, based on all of that. I don't know if he did either. That's why I thought yeah. it was like an interesting review. I yeah. think reading the whole review, I think he's pretty positive on it. Um, but I think a lot of the biggest criticism in terms of like critic criticisms that of like things like everybody was pretty pretty like this is good um but their overall thing i think was like it gets a little slow in the middle um and it's a little it's a little big it's a little like it feel for them a lot of them it felt like it was uh it wasn't as contained as it could or should be i think which i I don't necessarily agree with, but yeah, I disagree with that. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I will say in the second watch, it didn't feel as slow as I feared it was going to be on my rewatch. Cause I did remember being like, I know it slows down because it just like gets it has real to get into the drama. Yeah. I just think also like the, it wants to be a masterpiece is like, says yeah. who yeah relive the obama years and just watch it and have a good time yeah. you know and then reflect on the mistakes <laughs> we all made as democrats how dare we how dare I really, us i really wanted to include the la times review because it's la la land so i was like well i should include the la times review but then i got mad because it was like <laughs> one of the, oh, it say? It said something so stupid that i was like i'm not engaging with this and now i don't remember what it was but the other one i saw so that was a great story i'm glad i brought it up the other one i saw was this person who was like reviewing it and i don't remember which publication it was for i i should have written it down but she was based the the review the like quote that they had on rotten tomatoes which is what i look at before i click into the full review was like this movie is sends up not sends up but like is an homage to an era of hollywood in which black people weren't even really allowed to participate so for that it like we can find fault in it and i was like i also don't know how much i can engage with this because like I I don't I don't know I don't know if I'm able to engage with that because I run a movie musical podcast so I think I I'm just not the person to discuss this with but yeah yeah I mean look all nostalgia you can make the same argument for basically mm-hmm. yeah. right so yeah. Y- yeah there's a limit I think there's a limitation to how much we should engage and like revel in nostalgia for that reason but mm-hmm. I don't feel that this movie is the worst offender especially because. It's about that being a flaw in the characters as much as it's something that's being yeah. celebrated, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. If it were just a movie that was like, and they're right, things were perfect in the oh. 20s. Like, then I'd feel differently about it. But that's <laughs> not. We didn't do anything wrong. In, so we're bringing we've black, done back a blackface in La La Land. Like, yeah. my God. <laughs> um, so it doesn't, f- it doesn't feel that way to yeah. me. It doesn't feel like it's um, overly, it doesn't feel like it's overly romanticizing a time that you know, included a lot of bigotry. So. I remembered what the LA Times um, review yeah. made me <laughs> mad about. He said they it was a little long and they could have easily shaved the last 10 minutes off the film. And I was like... <gasps> <laughs> and I was like, 
Wow, LA is okay, trash. You're right. Put those two takes together and just just layer over our two reactions to the. <laughs> how dare you talk about the only good dream ballet that way? The it's such a crazy take. Ever been. Yeah, it's such a crazy take. I also don't feel that the movie's that long. It's two hours and eight minutes. No, no. It's it's nearly as long as the trip to to San Diego. <laughs> right, <laughs> nearly. Just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, what are the people on Letterboxd saying? This is where we need to, you know, reach out and see what the thoughts are of the public. Not these high elites in their LA Times offices <laughs> writing about the last 10 minutes of La La Land being bad. Um, Lucy gave it five stars and said, this cured my depression and brought it back full force in the span of two hours. <laughs> uh, Mur- this is all going to be the same for each of these, by the way. Muriel gave it five stars and said, La La Land makes me want to be alive for one hour and 50 minutes. Then Sebastian says, welcome to Sebs, and it makes me want to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then Matthew gave it five stars and said, sing it in the pain. <laughs> so I think these people maybe didn't understand the sweet part of the bittersweet ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they're all 16. They'll, they'll come to them yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we move on to the closer, we have to discuss who the VIP is. I MVP. You do this all the time. What did I say? VIP. <laughs> oh, very important person. Very important player. <laughs> Uh, before we move on to the closer, we have to discuss who's the MVP. I'm going to go first. I think it's Amy and Chazelle, which is crazy, but I guess it's not that crazy, but I think it's Amy and Chazelle. Especially because he also wrote it. Yeah. I'm going for the Goss. Mm. Ryan Gosling is my MVP. I think we're going to officially have three different Wow, answers. and I am going for Emma, Emma Stone. Stone. She is literally so charming this woman can act to a rock and the rock would fall in love with her like she could have chemistry with anyone it's yeah. amazing but she doesn't have to because she's opposite ryan gosling so i don't think she had to work that hard <laughs> that's yeah, true that's the did. thing she was like oh we're just playing like you could tell that they were just having fun and like this is literally like the, the best job in the world to just play with someone that i know and can trust there was this really sweet story mark platt said that like who ew <laughs> <laughs> Ben's Ben's financier said um, that on the last day of shooting, um, Damien like knew didn't call rap. That's a rap, and so he grabbed a handheld and started shooting the sunset to be like, "Oh, I think we can use this." And then Mark was like, "I realized that he just didn't want the production to end. Like he wanted to keep going." And so he, once the fine sun finally went down, he had to be like, "Damien, you have to you, you have, have to, to call, call it a rap. It. It's done." That's very sweet. sweet. And then he helped edit the movie for a year. Damien? Yeah, he was like oh. sat in the editor's room with the editor, which is crazy. That and then he made... could be dedication, but also could be micromanagement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then he uh, made First Man, which is a very different film that is not nearly as good. So, mm. Yeah, if you like Ryan Gosling, but you're like, eh, no charm. I want you to be right. super stoic. I want and you like... to be an introvert. <laughs> Fully gotcha. introvert. Watch First Man. Like, that is the movie the for girl? you. Yeah. But like, Excuse no. Me? Claire Foy. Claire if you want to see boy. Claire Foy not do a really good American accent, First man's the movie for you. Okay. <laughs> Molly, what's your closer? Um, firstly, where's my congratulations for remembering for the closer? Having one, and having a time. visual aid visual on the Google aid. Doc. I did uh, I did quite a bit of Googling Molly, and replaying you haven't done scenes. this since uh, the, the ladies, the ladies from, um, in Was that Singing in the Rain? No. Singing in the Rain. Oh, was it was because it? It, it, it was the cast, the all stars yes. oh, yes, six yes, yes. in the, the yeah, yeah. Um Okay. I, I looked up like I had to remember it. I wrote it down. 
Okay, so at the end of the movie, as Ryan Gosling's going into his jazz club, we see a poster for a new movie coming out with Mia Dolan, which is how we know, okay, yeah, she's become this big six. It kind of confirms for us as we've suspected that she's mm-hmm. now this big star. And the poster just says Eleanor, and then it's a shot of her face. Um, and uh, it has kind of a mod, I would say, aesthetic mm-hmm. to it. And mm-hmm. so what I think would be fun is for us to all pitch the movie Eleanor um, to each Renee other. Zellweger? Down with love. Down with love. It looks like the it looks like that. Yeah. yeah. So everyone has to pretend that you've got you have to have an elevator pitch to movie producers to fund your movie Eleanor. What do you think is the is the uh, hook on it based off of the visual information we have about the movie? Well, if I'm if I'm pitching to Mark Platt, I'm gonna say we've got a great role for Ben in it. Um, <laughs> it's gonna be a star. Um, no, what would I? Let's see. Mine would be. Uh, it is an Eleanor Roosevelt movie, and oh. she just she just finds out that FDR, uh, FDR Teddy, FDR. This is the sixties? Yes, this is the sixties. I don't know which one you're referencing because both of them are dead. It's FDR. Yeah, Eleanor Roosevelt, in yes. oh. in the in prime of their presidency, finds out that whatever finds out he's oh, having an affair, oh. or <laughs> he's having <laughs> an now affair. She knew that. Or, or, yeah, he knew that, or something like that. Or she yearns because isn't like the the first the this TV show on Showtime is like about she may have had like a secret like love affair with a woman. with a woman. So oh, she yeah, lo- that Showtime did not invent that. That's, <laughs> oh, that's a thing. That's a long piece of speculation. Yeah. Um, so it's it's about that, and she yearns and longs for a time where she could be a lesbian, and then, and then she wakes up one day, and all of a sudden she is in the sixties. The sixties. That's the then- time that you can be a lesbian. <laughs> we solved it in the sixties, y'all. In it's a more- time. <laughs> And so now she's, she's like, wow, she's, she's learning to the '60s, and she looks beautiful. She, now she she's yeah, she like wakes up and she's like, oh my god, what is she this doesn't new... have horse teeth anymore? Yeah, and so it's like a little, you know, a she little bit like um, it's a little uh, what is that movie? What is that series where she time travels and she's like World War Two? <laughs> she's a World War Two Outlander. Outlander. Oh. It's very Outlander, where she time travels into a new time where she can like, but no rape. No rape, but like she fully lives as like a mod girl in the '60s, but then has to go back in time to you know be the first lady. So I'm gonna be really annoying, and I'm gonna <laughs> say that it's I it, I'm I would guess just based on this image alone, it's like she's tw- she's the Twiggy. She, it's like a she's like a model in the '60s. She's Twiggy, like a Twiggy. Okay, but what's, and and what's the, the movie plot is her... it follows her around. It's very like Valley of the Dolls. Just like see what it's life, what life is like yeah. as a model. Yeah. Here's my pitch. Okay. <laughs> what if we saw a James Bond movie from the perspective of the Bond girl? Oh. That's so very good. James thinks that he's the one uh, making all the decisions, but he doesn't realize that there's another spy on the other end of his relationship who's playing him just as much. <gasps> and it's Eleanor. And it's, her name is Eleanor. Rigby. It's across, it's across the across the that's the pitch. It's across the universe. We're like, you know, that movie didn't have an Eleanor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they her. didn't play Eleanor Rigby, did they? They had a lot of names that they didn't pick, but yeah, yeah they still chose Yeah. The ones they chose. Anyway, so Mr. and Mrs. Smith 
in a mod meets, James Bond meets, camp. Meets. Uh, Austin Powers setting. without the without the general Austin stuff. Powers <laughs> meets Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Okay. Okay. Great. I can no notes. That. No notes. Ding. Your movie's funded. So listeners, tell us which uh which movie uh excited you the most. You can tweet. Mm-hmm. You can Tweet. send an email. Send an email because RJ is going to fix the link. Because we finally now. fixed the link that you can send emails. Excellent. Tell us what movie you'd pitch. I will also have in the show notes, I realized listening back to some old episodes that there were several times when I promised to link something in the show notes and didn't do it. And That's so I'm going to have is, a catch I was, up oh, I of see some it. citations of things that I forgot to include in previous show notes. I was notes. like, oh, I'm I so apologize. E- I know the listeners are like, they're just devastated that they've been they missing out on some of those. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, it's not entirely Molly's fault. It may be mine for not even having look- anything ready the night before. I mean... I'm not going to say that, but <laughs> maybe no just one's a, getting paid for this. So maybe just cross. Please reference. sponsor our podcast. Please sponsor our podcast. I literally saw this and was like, "Wow, there's a connection to pirates and cabaret in La La Land." I don't think I saw those references. RJ, this whole time has been like, "When is she going to bring up talk the cabaret, about cabaret reference?" I mean, she did. I mean, Adam already did. She well, got the job because of cabaret. Want, do you want it? I can give you the reference. He's the Damien Chazelle one for a musical, and the last director to win Best Director for a musical was Bob Fosse. Robert Fosse. Uh, Roberto Foce. Okay, what about pirates? What's the connection with Pirates of Penzance? Um, flats. <laughs> flats. Flats. Painted flats. Painted flats. Everywhere. Flats. Everywhere. Flats. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Operetta was like a revolutionary form. It's <laughs> falling out of John favor. Much like jazz. Pop jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Operetta is the pop jazz. Yeah, absolutely. Operetta really... Everyone always says it's the pop jazz of its time. That's kind of what it's known for. That's kind of what it, she's famous for. Miss uh, well. Well. Um, Molly, have fun in San Diego in your new life there. Uh, is this the last episode of the podcast? Are you not going to talk to me anymore? No, we're just, you know. We wish you well on everything you do in the rest of your life. Okay, great. Thank you so much for helping. Um, For the listeners, we're gearing up for a... Uh, for end of the year awards so if you uh have any yeah if you also want to tweet or email us about email categories you would categories. like us to consider or anything yeah best i said it in this movie best refrigerator goes to his blue refrigerator Ooh, in the yeah. future best yeah best apartment ryan gosling's apartment in the in the, at the at end, the of end. This movie. oh my mm-hmm. god Incredible. beautiful yeah. Oh. Usually I'm not a fan of like the motel style, you know, like the walk up with the door and the windows like as the front, but for some reason it just looks so That's what That's a lot of Southern California yeah. apartments are. Yeah. Yeah. I will tell you as a person who's done some casual apartment hunting. Have you guys watched You? No. No. The second season of You is set in LA and mm. I was texting my friend that every apartment building me? that I look like, at reminds you? me of <laughs> of You, Adam. <laughs> All the first uh, I watched me. You. Have I me? seen? <laughs> Boo. Who's on first, Molly? You gotta tell me who's on first. <laughs> Boo. Anyway, it's a delightful but creepy show, and it's the only show I've ever seen that depicts like middle class housing in Southern California. So every single apartment building I look at, I'm like, it does kind of look like the building in you, though. <laughs> but yeah, categories definitely best refrigerator in a movie musical to that bright yeah. blue smeg. Oh, mm-hmm. it was so pretty. Uh yeah, so if you have any categories for year end, if you want to pitch any campaigns, tweet RJ at us. Damien Chazelle in it right now. <laughs> the camcorder yeah. in 
happen. Well, you know, I I, I just I just want to say this one more one more thing. <laughs> well, you know, we really just got to get this B roll for the Zoom. So if we just want to let the Zoom play out a little bit more. Someone in the crowd. We did not even talk about that. <laughs> I don't know the rest of the song. In a pool, in a pool, in a pool, in a pool. Thank you for listening to the best revival of a podcast, Showgaze. You can find us on social media. Adam is at Adam Noecker on Twitter. RJ is at RJ Food Rocks on Instagram. And Molly is at Molly Matiny on Instagram. This episode was edited and mixed by Adam Noecker. This has been an Ampliverse production. You can find our show page and more information at theampliverse.com. If you'd like to send us your own takes on the movie we just watched, reach out to us via email and we might read it aloud on the show. Our email is showgazemoviemusical at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to help others find the show. And now, as always, the show must go on. So stick around to hear what we're going to be watching next episode. You've seen all kinds of movies, but you've never seen anything like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is wonderfully weird. They're probably foreigners with ways different than our own. It's fabulously freaky. It's a trip to transsexual Transylvania. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Transsexual Transylvania. The story is strange. For tonight is the night that my beautiful creature is destined to be born! The songs are super. The scenery is smashing. The cast is completely crazy. Junior Chamber of Commerce, Brad. There's a mad scientist named Frank N. Furter. Come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. And Rocky, his incredible creature. with a bad crowd, but it was worse than I imagined. A sinister servant named Riff Raff. I remember doing the time war. And Brad and Janet. My name's Brad Majors. Just a couple of clean-cut kids. This is my fiance, Janet Weiss. Touch it, touch it, touch it, touch me. I wanna be dirty. Eddie. Magenta. When shall we return to Pennsylvania? Huh? Columbia. <laughs> Dr. Scott. Great Scott! So 
give yourself over to absolute pleasure. See the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Discovering Voices. Building Worlds. The Ampliverse.